This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Matt Townsend Show this morning. Happy Thursday. Matt Townsend, by the way, taking the day off today, but he will be back bright and early tomorrow morning. We have a great show for you today. So happy to be talking to our first guest coming up in the first hour. We'll be speaking with Karen Mangum. She is the mother of BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum, who, of course, threw that incredible Hail Mary pass against Nebraska on Saturday. And Terry, I don't know about you, but were you watching that game at our house? We went nuts. I actually turned it off. You did not. I had you things, thought it was over? Well, it was, what, what three minutes to go, and uh-huh. Nebraska was just killing the clock. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I have things to do. I know. I, I saw that, too, and I thought, they'll just kick the field goal. When he missed it, wow, that was just such an exciting game. And, uh, yeah, but, our but house was With the way insane. the Internet works, if right. something huge happens, uh-huh. you're going to see you it. You get it immediately. So it's like, yeah, yeah That's whatever. the great thing about the Internet, <laughs> no doubt. Well, as great as that first game was, I don't know about you, but I was so heartbroken for Taysom Hill. He's such a great guy. Three times, I mean, three season-ending injuries. Just, I just felt so bad for him. Yeah, and with the, I guess they're calling. Is it officially a Liz Frank? Well, the the funny they said first, you know, Liz injury. Frank is is in my. I thought it was a break, but now they're saying it's just a strained Liz Frank injury. Which, okay. So not a break. It's just ligaments and bones through the middle right. of your foot. Uh-huh. It's really hard for it to recover. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I guess still, it's a. If it's Matt was here, ending. he'd try to say that his yeah, foot injury was similar. Yes. And yeah. It's not, no, it's not Matt. Hate to he tell you. He would try. He thinks he's an athlete, <laughs> but he just sort of walks around. Yeah, Liz Frank is yeah much different than the plantar fascia for sure. We're going to talk to Karen about Tanner's big game coming up his upbringing and and maybe the pressure i think it's going to be interesting on saturday they are from the boise area and uh, taking on boise state saturday night i think it's an eight is it eight fifteen eight fifteen kickoff i believe it's a later, later i'll find kickoff. out saturday morning when i look when it you up. wake up and then you go what time am i going to turn you know, my how TV am i going to plan my day <laughs> justify this to my wife yeah well i'll tell you tickets for that game have been going crazy ever since uh, saturday's big game so anyway should be fun also happy happy national tv dinner day hmm you an, are you a TV dinner guy? No, but you know, yeah. I think everyone has had a TV dinner at some point. Yeah, have you? You know, uh, yeah, I'm, no, they never no? It just never tasted like real food to me. But it was introduced uh, back in 1953. The first Swanson TV dinner consisted of. Can you guess? Some sort of meat product. V- yes, Is it a Salisbury steak. Thanksgiving turkey. It was a Thanksgiving meal. Turkey, cornbread, dressing, peas, and sweet potatoes. Sold for, can you guess? What what would it cost? What year? 53? 50, where is it? No. 1953, yes. 98 cents. You dog, you looked. I was going to say a dollar. There you go. See, close enough. 98 cents, and uh, they kind of thought it would sell 5,000. They sold more than 10 million. Well, people don't want to cook. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Even back up. then, you know, I was thinking that was more for my day, like in the 80s and 90s cooking for my kids, but that was in the 50s. So, yeah, even back then, they didn't want to cook their meals. 1973, the first Swanson Hungry Man. Because obviously, I guess they were figuring they weren't giving enough. That's when portion nice sizes product. exploded, apparently. <laughs> that's exactly when it started, yeah. The first microwave oven safe trays back in 1986. That seems like yesterday, but I guess it wasn't. But anyway, much has changed since the original TV dinner. And they also remain a popular choice for a fast and convenient meal. I, I haven't bought one for years. I don't know. We'll go grocery shopping. We're 
getting all our vegetables uh-huh. and trying to be uh-huh. good. And you'll yeah. see someone roll by with like 15 of oh, them for in their sure. cart. And yeah. you're like, all right, Yeah, you got bachelor. a busy week. Yeah, you <laughs> got you. a busy week. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it was so funny. I was at the grocery store last night, and the kid in front of me had literally 20 cans of Spam. Wow. He said, he told the guy, he goes, ah, oh, this is, it, it's on sale. It's clearance. I got I got to take it. And look, it, it doesn't expire for like 20 years. Yeah. So he says, I'll be having Spam and eggs for the next, you know, several months. Ben, Ben's a big fan. I know. I am. You are a spam guy. If you're from Hawaii, you're yeah, a spam, you like it. spam person. Yeah, I haven't had spam for years. That, that definitely wasn't one of my favorite things. But anyway, so how do you like it cooked? Do you, do you fry it? He likes it raw, right out of the can. Oh, Just grab a spoon and <laughs> go to town. That sounds horrible. <laughs> it, it depends if it's a breakfast food. You, uh-huh. you like fry it and put eggs put with eggs it and everything, it. Mm-hmm. maybe a couple of Vienna sausages. Mm-hmm. But wow, isn't have... that the same thing? <laughs> it, just cook differently. Just pro- it just feels different. One, one's in a tube format, the other's in like <laughs> yeah. a block of jelly. Yeah, but I mean, it looks different. So okay, that's I'll important. Right. Oh, and crazy. then then there's a musabi, which is like spam on top, rice on bottom, wrapped in seaweed. I've seen that. I have seen that. I actually tried that, and I didn't care for it. I didn't care oh, for it. But I, I understand that was very big. I get, you know, you just have to have a taste for spam. I, guess. I think I'd go TV dinner over spam. Yeah, for sure. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. I'm with you. <laughs> Maybe they have a TV dinner with spam. I don't Granted, know. The, the Salisbury steak and some of those might be spam. You don't know. <laughs> you but, don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, again, Karen Mangum coming up in just a short bit, uh, talking about her son Tanner and his big game on Saturday. But first, let's go to Terry with the headlines. The long-awaited congressional effort to reject the Iran nuclear agreement now appears in jeopardy after a a revolt by Republicans in the House of Representatives. If Congress is unable to pass a unified resolution rejecting the deal, the outcome is a win for the Obama administration, which negotiated the agreement and would have uh, have to veto the measure of disapproval. The House was set to begin procedural work on the vote of disapproval on Wednesday, but conservatives with the GOP ranks protested that the Obama administration had not yet produced side deals reached between Iran and the International Atomic Energy Agency. Donald Trump held a rally outside the Capitol and had this to say. That deal will be totally renegotiated or worse. They have suckered us. They have taken advantage of stupid people, stupid representatives, people that are incompetent, whether it's Kerry or our president. Meanwhile, the Senate Democrats uh, supportive of the Iran deal appear to have the votes to block any formal debate on the issue. Carly Fiorina, she was uh, attacked by Donald Trump yesterday. Did you see that? So poor. The, that, was, uh, that, was, profile, that was over the line. In a profile for Rolling Stone, it's, uh, it says that after seeing Carly Fiorina appear on t- a TV screen, uh, TV screen, Trump said, look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? Can you imagine that? The face of our next president? I mean, she's a woman. And I'm not supposed to. And it says Sposta, S-P-O-S. Yeah, so Sposta <laughs> say that these are bad things. But really, folks, come on. Are we serious? When asked by Megyn Kelly on Fox News, her thoughts on Trump's declaration, Fiorina said this. I think those comments speak for themselves. And all the many, many, many thousands of voters out there that are helping me climb in the polls, yes, they're very serious. You know, honestly, I'm not going to spend a single cycle wondering what Donald Trump means. But maybe, just maybe, I'm getting under his skin a little bit because I am climbing in the polls. You know, I think he said, uh, it wasn't talking necessarily about her looks, but her persona. Right. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Go back to the, go back to the transcript, the, Donald. These are the things that would sink in your normal candidate. But yeah. Trump... Apparently I don't know. Okay. Some of those personal attacks like that to a that you, yeah, oh, women yeah. aren't going to like that at all. No, but he uh, was climbing in the polls. A new Quinnipiac poll. Is that how you say it? Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac. What? Okay. And a new poll 
released today shows that Bernie Sanders leads Hillary Clinton in Iowa for the first time among likely Democratic caucus goers. The lead is slight, with Sanders getting 41 percent, Hillary's 40 percent, Joe Biden, who is not even in the race, is 13 percent. But marked improvement for the Vermont senator. Uh, what earlier in July he was behind Hillary, 52% to 33%. It also comes as surveys show the support for Bernie Sanders surging in New Hampshire. An NBC poll last week uh, shows that Sanders getting 27% to Hillary's 38 in different areas mm, of the country. This is why so, Hillary is apologizing yes. because she understands, wait, I should have done this a long time She's ago. Like, wait, I'm slipping in the polls. In the Phoenix area, have you heard about this? There's shootings going on on one of their freeways. A tenth shooting in less than two weeks reported Wednesday morning when the window of a pickup truck driving east on the freeway in Maricopa County was struck by a projectile, Arizona Department of Public Safety said. The driver told a Phoenix TV station that investigators said that they think the window was likely hit by a BB that shattered his rear window. On Tuesday, a state director of public safety called the attacks terrorism and that a state uh, state trooper told a TV station the shootings need to be stopped as quickly as we can before there happens to, someone actually gets injured or killed in one of these. There's a $20,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest of who actually is shooting at cars with apparently a BB or pellet gun. That would be terrifying. Yeah. Uh, people are actually avoiding this stretch of the freeway, right. taking surface streets, because right. obviously yeah. people are getting shot at. Yeah. Baltimore officials approved a $6.4 million deal Wednesday to settle all civil claims tied to the death of Freddie Gray. Gray suffered the fatal spinal injury while he was transported in Baltimore police van. As it goes on to say, this does not represent any sort of claim of guilt or innocence for the six police officers charged in that crime. I don't think I've ever heard of such a thing before it went to trial. Yeah. I mean, there's been no testimony at all. And they even said it's not, a, a you know, innocence or guilt. But, wow, I've never heard of such a such a payout before a trial even starts. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, apparently, China is mad at Bon Jovi. It seems they... Uh, this is the Dalai Lama. That one week before Bon Jovi was to play a three-city tour in China, the band's first ever show in the country, two of the shows were mysteriously canceled, despite Bon Jovi having already recorded a love song in Mandarin for the occasion. The concert promoter cited unforeseen circumstances, but it looks like uh, the Bon Jovi per- performed at... Uh, there's images of, of Bon Jovi with the Dalai Lama in 2010 or 2011, something to do with his birthday, a concert, that type of thing. Hmm. And so some of the concerts have been canceled because oh. China doesn't have a uh, good relationship right. with the Dalai Lama. Oh. Other other bands, uh-huh. Maroon 5 had some problems with mm-hmm. some tweets about right. the uh, the Dalai Lama. And uh, so they had some concerts canceled this summer. And then Taylor Swift had problems because she wanted to sell – um, merchandise that had the 1989 on it, and that's the year of the Tiananmen Square event. Oh, my goodness. And so China yeah, doesn't want to draw any attention to that. Oh, my goodness. So they had to make some adjustments, yeah. apparently. So. I, my son went to the Taylor Swift concert, and uh, so it was a, amazing. Did he take a female? He took a female. Okay. And they I had think a great it's kind time. of odd yeah. for, you know, guys, guys to, yeah. but people do, I know. But well, she, the girl wanted to go, so he was nice enough to buy her tickets. There you and go. it was, I mean, he sent some pictures and she puts on quite the show. Yes. Amazing show. And he said the line to get those 1989 t shirts, he said, was all around the arena. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. She's very talented, no doubt about it. Thank you, Terry. Okay, coming up after the break, Karen Mangum will join us. She's going to talk about her son Tanner, who was now Superman here on campus at BYU after the big win on Saturday. Really a humble 22-year-old young man who literally just three months ago came off his mission to Chile. Karen Mangum, when we come back right here on the Matt Townsend Show, you're listening to BYU Radio.
Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show here on this Thursday morning. Matt will be back tomorrow, just taking a little time off today. I'm Kathy Aiken filling in, and boy, do we have a great first hour of the program. Launches it, goes for the end zone. The ball's in the air, it drops at the goal line. I think he caught it for a touchdown. He got it! He got it! He got it! Touchdown, Mick Matthews! The Cougars win it! The Cougars win it! I don't know about you, but I never get tired of hearing that. That was play-by-play announcer Greg Rubel with a call on IMG Cougar Sports Network. That, of course, BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum with the Hail Mary pass to Mitch Matthews. And the Cougars' big win over Nebraska on Saturday. And one woman I'm sure was more excited than anyone is Tanner's mother, Karen, who joins us now from the family home in Eagle, Idaho. Karen, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be with you. So you hear that. How many times have you heard that or seen that play? <laughs> uh, probably a hundred times. <laughs> I tell you what, I can't get enough of it. Probably I, because we weren't there. <laughs> I know. Well, we're going to get that to in a, in a minute. But what was your initial reaction? Did you see it first or did you hear it first? We saw a replay of it first. Uh, so we did not hear Greg Rebell's play call until much later. But we saw the actual um, uh, ABC recording uh, on a text video that our son sent to us just minutes after it happened. Oh, wow. So just so everybody knows where you were at, you were at the Idaho State game because you have another son, Madison, who is a senior there. So you're obviously not in Nebraska because you don't think Tanner's going to get in the game, right? Well, the interesting thing is we arrive in Pocatello in time to watch the first half of the BYU game, which started, of course, at 1.30 Mountain Time. And we're watching in a, in a Buffalo Wild Wings, actually, and uh, all of a sudden Tanner comes in in the second quarter, and uh, I'm, we're so shocked that he's even in and so uh, nervous for Taysom, worried, worried, worried. Um, but then Taysom comes right back, and, and we're good again. Um, with Taysom and Tanner's on the sideline. Um, then we head into Holt Arena to watch the uh, ISU game, and uh, we're watching the BYU game on a TV video on our phone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then in the fourth quarter, of course, Tanner appears again. And uh, that's when our hearts start jumping out of our chest. <laughs> and <laughs> I we're bet. watching with great anticipation. You had to be so nervous of that, knowing what the score was and knowing how close it was. As a mother, how hard is that for you, knowing that your son is the one that has the team in his hands? <laughs> well, the good thing is that I'm a very seasoned sports mom. And, yes, I was nervous. But, you know, I have seen all my boys, and especially Tanner as a quarterback, play in very tight situations and come through with um, poise and grace. And he he did it this time. Um, It doesn't always happen, but he did it this time. And, of course, uh, huge credit to Mitch, big, tall, high-jumping Mitch Matthews. Right. Go grab it. Right. uh, that always makes the quarterback look good um, when you have great receivers and an impressive offensive line. Um, in high school, we would joke because uh, the offensive line were our best friends, and we'd feed them, we'd bring them <laughs> over for steak dinners. And <laughs> yeah, they're the ones protecting him, giving him all the time, and it, it did give him plenty of time. But you talk about poison and everything. Let's go ahead and listen to what Tanner had to say on ESPN after the game. When I let it go, it came out a little wobbly. Uh, you know, some might call it a, a duck, uh, so to speak. Uh, and it is going into the wind as well. And I knew it, it, it wasn't uh, going that, that far. 
I was just hoping that it would get there. So I, I saw it flying through the air and I was just hoping it would get to the goal line and I, I saw it, it got there and Mitch caught it. And uh, I was scared that he was a little bit short, but I saw him fall in and, and uh, then I, once I saw the rest hands go up and, and everyone started to celebrate, and I, knew, I, knew, I knew it was a touchdown. So, Karen, you hear that. He, he, he really did have so much poise. And, I mean, where did he get that from? Where did he get being able to go into a game after being off his mission only three months and, and making this incredible play? Well, he talks about uh, gaining a great deal of, of poise under pressure while serving on his mission. He talks about being in situations of, where he was very disappointed about in situations and he had to overcome adversity. I've also seen this, though, early on, and, and it really comes from growing up as the third of um, and five, well, he's the fourth of five children. So he's got older siblings who really push him. Uh, I was just recalling in my own mind, um, We'd go skiing as a family, and the boys uh, would all take off on this very big jump, and Tanner would always be the last one. And I'd say, Tanner, I mean, just as a little boy, I'd say, Tanner, you don't have to do this. You really don't. <laughs> oh, no. No, it didn't, it didn't even cross his mind that he would not do it. Right. And he would just follow and, and, and excel. So I think that he's gained over time, over uh, and even in very tight games in high school, that you just don't even think, you just do. And um, that's what he tells me um, how he does this. Wow. Yeah, he talked to us about um, how serving his mission in Chile for two years for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, those missionaries do face very difficult, very difficult things on their mission. And so to come back, and especially, I think, Karen, in three months, and to get those what they call mission legs back in such a short period of time was really remarkable. I think he took uh, extra effort uh, knowing that he had this responsibility to be the backup when he came home. So he was very conscientious about running while on his mission. I think he did a fair amount of push-ups, and um, he had a chance to throw the ball just a little bit, maybe every couple months or so, uh, just to stay loose. Um, the, of course, footballs in Chile are a little bit different. Uh, they're round. Yeah. So when when he right. was, he actually brought a football with him on the mission mm-hmm. and uh, attempted to throw to some of his uh, Latin companions who I can imagine had holes in their hands. After <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, how fun. Well, it was an, a remarkable weekend overall for your entire family because you, you are at the ISU game. You see your son, Madison, make really one of the most remarkable touchdown receptions I've ever seen. So his play was number two on ESPN for the weekend, and Tanner's was number one. I mean, does it get any better than that as far as sports (laughs) goes for your family? It was very extraordinary. We were actually driving home from Pocatello when we found out that the plays were named one and two. And I, we were, of course, ecstatic. We thought, okay, how often does that happen? I mean, that, that's pretty um, unusual, I'm sure, oh, yeah. for um, that to happen in a family. And, and, yes, we were there for Madison's plays. And, and quite frankly, he, this was the second of his third three touchdowns that day and even the first one was quite remarkable but the second one was even better and that's the one that made the highlight reel of course Uh, but we thought oh gosh that's incredible and then there's Tanner who comes 
maybe within not even 10 minutes later. Right. Throws the Hail Mary. We thought, well, you know what? You've got to respect the Hail Mary. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. So, hey, t- getting back to Tanner, I'm curious as a mother. How do you, so he was all over ESPN and in a lot of other national interviews. How do you help him, or how have you helped him stay humble when these things kind of come up and, and, and try to help him keep it all into perspective? That's a really good question. I, I'm not sure if we've done anything. You know, he's been, um, he just is characterized with kind by being a very kind person. He always has been looking out for others. I, he teaches all of us how to be kind, how to be considerate of others. Mm-hmm. I've always appreciated that about him. So you think he, he just came that way? Well, he has a lot of charisma. I just was mm-hmm. recalling, even as a little baby, he just was constantly smiling. He, we, I'd take him to the grocery store, and he just dazzled the ladies at the store and <laughs> with his cute little dimpled smile. And he... Even on swim team, he'd be swimming in the pool, and he'd always have a smile on his face, even when he swam the laps. And um, he comes off the field smiling because he's so happy to be doing what he loves to do. And I think early on I learned this when he was a freshman in high school playing in a very high-pressured game, and he needed to drive the length of the field to win the game, and there was less than a minute to go. And he did it. And I thought, wow, this kid, um, you know, I, I wonder how he felt. And we, I found out later that he was just ex- so excited, so pumped to be able to do that. That very game moment came to my mind as he was ready to drive the ball down to uh, win the game in Nebraska. And later on that night, as I talked with Tanner about it, I said, Tanner, I was recalling that game your freshman year in high school. And he said, Mom, I was too. He had that very game in his mind, too. So we were both thinking it at the same time. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, We, uh, I just think there are games, multiple games like that, where he has learned to play under pressure and just loves, loves that element. Wow. Isn't that great when your children are able to be successful in things that they've learned previously and you see that as a parent and it really is such a great payday. But tell me, now he did have to like clean toilets and stuff like that, right? He didn't get away with not doing chores. Yes, of course. (laughs) We've always kept our kids, you know, grounded in, in what's important in life. Sports is important, but not everything of course and they're really they're very well-rounded children they all play an instrument they speak languages uh they sing in choirs Tanner actually sang in the school choir he all of our boys are eagle scouts um our girls uh are very musical um so i i that's important to us as a family um in addition to sports and of course um they the boys needed to save for their missions, and uh, Tanner and his older brother Madison had a paper route for five years, and that was early morning commitment. Oh yeah, three hundred sixty-five days a year, and three thirty, four o'clock a.m. in the morning, getting up and delivering uh, about one hundred and fifty papers every morning. Wow! And, did you uh, have to help them get up, or did they get yeah, up on their own? We, well, we helped them um, because it was a big route and it was a driving route. They weren't driving at first, 
uh, we helped them. We would take turns. And uh, but then once uh, Madison could drive, then the two of them took that over most of the time. Mom and Dad helped a little bit, but that was their responsibility. And uh, even when Madison left, uh, Tanner delivered papers um, by uh, with help uh, for another six to eight months. So they paid for both of their missions completely through this paper route. Wow, that is fantastic. Super, super lessons to be taught for sure. Well, Karen, stick around with us. We're talking with Karen Mangum, mother of BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum. And when we come back, we'll talk about going from that big win in Nebraska to Saturday's game when BYU plays Boise State, which just happens to be the hometown team of the Mangum family. That's up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio. show everyone on this Thursday morning. We're talking with Karen Mangum. She's the mother of new BYU starting quarterback Tanner Mangum. Karen, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Thank you. So your son Tanner, we say the new BYU starting quarterback, which obviously comes after that devastating injury to Taysom Hill. Has Tanner talked to you about that injury and and what Taysom has meant to him in his early stages of his career? He did talk to us about it. It's a very sobering thought. In fact, it was very, I have to admit, very difficult to enjoy this victory knowing what happened to Taysom. Taysom has been an incredible mentor and friend to Tanner since he returned. Even before the mission, Taysom um, had been very nurturing and um, very much a supporter. Um, And then, of course, this summer, Taysom has been um, very, very helpful uh, with the young quarterbacks uh, as they've come back um, and knowing that this is who plays behind him. Of course, as you play, you never expect to be hurt. Right. Um, but football is full of ups and downs, and we've been through it. Uh, Tanner had a season-ending injury his junior year of high school, and um, and we know how it feels. It, it just it tears your heart out when you have these expectations um, particularly now at this level, at the college level, and what Taysom has to look forward to. Oh, yeah. He's, he's been such a, a, a strong figure in, in this team and, of course, in Tanner's life. So it was devastating. In fact, I happened to cross a video. Well, it was on the Inside BYU Football last show last night. Right. It showed just the raw emotion, and Tanner was there with tears in his eyes as he was talking to Jason, and I know it was a very emotional time. Uh, Our hearts go out to Jason and his family, um, and we're grateful that Jason is the kind of man that he is who will step in and, and still be a leader and still encourage despite his setbacks. Right. I thought it was so, it was such a great compliment when, you know, Tanner said, Taysom is still our captain, you know, he's still uh-huh. our leader, despite the fact yeah. he won't be playing. And I thought, wow, that, you know, that was really a humble statement on his part, realizing that he's taking his place, but yet he still sees him as his leader. And you said, now you said Tanner had a season-ending injury in high school. What what happened? 
uh, it was about the second game of the season of his junior year, and he was tackled and broke a collarbone. Mm. Um, and it was a pretty uh, devastating um, break, but they were able to pin it that weekend. It took him six to eight weeks of recovery. So he actually did come back and play in one of the playoff games at the very end of the season. Okay. Um, which to me was kind of remarkable. How do you do that, break a collarbone and then come back and play um, at a very high level? But um, They want to get back anyway, in there. Yeah. He did. Absolutely he wanted to get back in there. And um, and you do that. You do that in sports. Um, our other sons have had very similar type of setbacks. Um, and my our daughters um, both have had serious ACL breaks or, excuse me, tears and uh, subsequent surgeries. In fact, our oldest daughter has had three ACLs. Oh, my our word. daughter had one just recently, just a year ago. Oh, wow, you've seen so, it all. Yeah, we kind of have, and I, I, I certainly don't. Um, you go into each game not uh, worried that they're going to get hurt. In fact, I stay super positive about that. Um, you say, you know, let's hope, well, you hope that everything will go well. You don't anticipate injury, but when it comes, um, you you take it in stride. You accept it, and then you flip it over and say, okay, now what is my role? Uh, Now what can I do for my team from here? Right. And what do you do as a mother to help them? Yeah. So, Karen, you've seen you've seen it all. You've seen incredible wins. You've seen devastating losses. So now Tanner starts his first full game as a true freshman Saturday uh-huh. against your hometown Boise State Broncos. Talk uh-huh. about the pressure you think he's going to be feeling. I mean, I think, you know, Saturday he's in thinking, I'm only filling in for Taysom for a short period of time, and yeah. now he's the guy. So what kind yeah. of pressure do you think he will be under Saturday? You know, he has been looking forward to this uh, since he came to BYU. It was his goal to be the starting quarterback. Obviously, it's come a little bit early, so there is a little more pressure. Um, I think that the fact that it is Boise State prep adds a little bit more. But I know Tanner. I know he will prepare as if it is just another opponent. He knows some of the guys on the other team. But I think that he is uh, has enough steel in him that he will uh, just view this as the next opponent, um, and they will prepare with that in mind. Yeah. You um, know, I think especially for fans, it's hard because you see that great ending, and they're now they're expecting all these incredible things, you know, from Tanner the rest of the year. And, you know, it's a long season. That, that doesn't happen yeah. often, right? Right. I think that's the case. Uh, so hopefully fans will be – um, respectful. I think that they will understand that a Hail Mary is a one in a million. Um, and, not, and so Tanner's role will basically be to run the offense, um, next play, what's the next play, move on, move the ball, uh, find his receivers, uh, follow directions. I think that's his role, and I think he sees that. Um, and then everybody on that team plays together. It's just not a one-man show. I realize the quarterback has a lot of responsibility. Right. Uh, it's a very complicated position. It is, and they, they need to get better run, a, a better running game this uh, this weekend for sure, right? <laughs> it would help to, to open up the passing game. Yes, it would. So how, how about Saturday for you? Is Saturday going to be kind of a pressurized situation for you and your family knowing that you live near Boise? 
there is certainly some pressure. I actually felt it. Uh, I actually played some tennis this morning, and my um, partner uh, was talking about how, uh, of course, she's a big Boise State fan and, you know, the, the pressure there. But, you know, we are very loyal Cougar fans, and all throughout, even living here in Boise, we've always rooted for the Cougars, but we've also rooted for Boise State. And over the years, we've just gone back and forth. When the two started playing and developing this rivalry, it created some interesting dynamics. I think we're always going to wear Cougar blue and perhaps not Boise State blue. Right. Um, in that situation, but in every other game, we do root for the Broncos. Um, I admit it. In fact, there's a cute picture of Tanner. I think I saw it with him uh, wearing a Boise State potato head. Oh. <laughs> thought, oh, that's an interesting picture. Oh, that is. Now, I know your oldest son, Parker, also played for BYU. So three football-playing sons. Is ever get tired of watching the sport? I never do. I love this game. It's a good thing because we're going to a lot of games, and uh, I do really enjoy football. I enjoy a lot of sports, though, and our kids have played multiple sports, uh, basketball, and now our daughter playing volleyball. Our oldest daughter played Boise State uh, soccer, so she is very loyal to Boise State. Um, So we've watched a lot of sports. We enjoy it, but also recognize that it is just part, one very um, important part of life, but there is obviously so much more uh, to uh, keep our minds focused right. on what matters. Mm-hmm. And um, that, to me, as parents, both Michael and I felt strongly um, that we have to stay centered, keep our children centered, um, and reminding them always, um, as we stay focused in our own family about what's important and serving and giving of ourselves and making sure that's the priority and then sports comes next. Oh, great advice. Later. Great advice, Karen. So Tanner just turned 22 on Tuesday. What what kind of advice does he call you about? Does he call you often? No, not too often. Um, we talk um, fairly regularly, but uh, you know what? He's managing himself very well. And, uh, of course, missions teach you that, uh, mm-hmm. to be independent, right. to live, uh, and to think for yourself. Um, I am his cheerleader now at this stage in our lives, and I do offer advice. I think just occasionally, I think I said this week, stay isolated. Um, don't feel like you have to respond to everybody. Um, that will take too much of your effort and time, and so stay focused. Um, remind yourself of who you are and and your abilities, and he's very very capable, and we both know it, and um, so I, and we all know it, and he knows it, so he has that inner strength, but it's also a great sense of gratitude, and a great sense of humility for the opportunity to do this. Wow, it's yeah, his, it's his lifetime dream. Wow, I, I, I'm sure he is getting bombarded from, uh, you know, students here on campus. And I and I did see the interview where he talked about how grateful he was to be part of this team. And I thought how wonderful that was to hear such a, a young man be so happy and grateful to be given this opportunity. What, Karen, what advice, you just gave some a little bit ago, what advice would you give mothers of athletes, maybe they're just, they're young and they're starting out, on how to balance life and sports? That's a really important question that um, we've had to evaluate over the years. 
because it does require, um, and especially these days with the traveling teams, and uh, you have to really allow your children to um, and assess your children's desire to um, continue in the sport. It has to be about them and not you. Um, I've always felt like if a child isn't happy in a particular sport, I think it's important perhaps to um, fulfill the commitment to the season, but if they're not happy, they need to move on and do something else. There's a lot of other wonderful things, passions in life, music and drama and um, you know other things that kids can get into that will help create authenticity and um, identity. Um, with sports, it's also important to balance. And so you set the priority. You know, if there is a conflict, um, you know, then we have to just work things out. Um, but hopefully staying focused on family first. We've also done a good job, I think, of supporting each other. Mm-hmm. We go to each other's games. Our, their siblings are very close. They're each other's best friends. Oh, that's so and important. We're very split with the two boys playing right now. We all want to be in the in both places. Um, so the fun thing about this coming week and then following week is that, of course, this week BYU will play Boise State in mm-hmm. Provo, but next week Idaho State plays Boise State here in Boise. Wow. So, and then that's when BYU plays at UCLA. Who are you going to watch? Well, the good news is that the Boise State-ISU game is on a Friday evening. Oh, good. There you go. The game is on Saturday. Oh, so good. So down in Pasadena, which is my home. That's oh, my fantastic. Home. And I have lots of family and cousins down there who are excited to go to the Rose Bowl to watch that game. And that will be a very exciting game. But um, there are weekends like that where we can do both. And so the siblings, as much as they can, will travel and watch uh, tenor play. Wow, Karen. Thank you so much for your time. You sound like you just have an amazing family. Thank you for the great advice on on other families and other mothers who may be uh, going through similar situations with children that are athletes. Have fun Saturday at Boise State. What an exciting time for your family. Have a fun time. You're very kind. Thank you very much. You bet. Well, stay with us, everyone, on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number two of the program. Kathy Aiken filling in for Matt, who is off today, but he will be back tomorrow. We mentioned earlier it was National TV Dinner Day, also uh, Swap Ideas Day. I did not make that up. The exact origins of Swap Ideas Day are unknown. However, it's believed that the creator of this day is Robert Birch. This was not his only unusual idea, as he is also thought to have invented several other strange celebrations, including Lumpy Rug Day, Trivia Day, and the bizarrely named 
Nothing Day. Nothing. Which, Swap Ideas Day is kind of nothing. It's kind of nothing. Pretty, don't you think? Most of these that I find for the show are yeah, nothing. Yeah, pretty, but, pretty you know, nothing. things yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll go for National TV Dinner Day. That's much better. But also today, a very serious uh, topic. It is National Suicide Awareness and Prevention Day. And I think just about everyone has been affected by suicide. And, and we want to bring attention to that today. So coming up in the second hour, Matt sat down and spoke with Dr. Greg Hudnell, the chairman of the Utah Suicide Prevention conference in partnership with BYU. And also in on the interview is our beautiful intern, Caitlin Thomas, who was also Miss Lehigh this year. The platform she chose is Choose to Live. You won't want to miss this interview. That's coming up. But first, let's go to Terry, who joins us now with the headlines. Good morning. Congress opened debate on the Iran nuclear deal on Wednesday. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz headline a stop the Iran deal outside. It was a rally outside the Capitol. Ted Cruz, I'm going to guess decidedly against the deal. Any commander-in-chief worthy of defending this nation should be prepared in January 2017 to look in the eyes of the Ayatollah Khamenei and say, under no circumstances does Iran, led by a theocratic Ayatollah who chants death to America, under no circumstances will Iran be allowed to acquire nuclear weapons. Also at the rally, Donald Trump, he made several comments. This one, not sure if he was talking about the Iran deal, but it's a very Trumpy thing to say. We will have so much winning if I get elected that you may get bored with winning. Believe me, I agree. You'll never get bored with winning. We never get bored. He also is against the deal, but that was funny. So if Congress is unable to pass a unified resolution rejecting the deal, the outcome is a win for the Obama administration, which negotiated the agreement and would have to veto the measure of disapproval, which is what Congress is trying to organize now. Mm-hmm. Politics. But apparently they have enough votes on the Democratic side that won't happen. Yeah, it's, it's kind of moot, except yes. it's politics. So right. we're out in front of cameras. Right. Uh, as for the Republicans, Donald Trump is backed by 32% of Republican voters. In the latest CNN national poll, and Ben Carson has a 19% total, which means it's a 10-point jump for him since last month. This is out of uh, Politico. Taken together, Trump and Carson earn the support of more than half of Republican voters. Wow. Notably, neither of them have ever held office in any way. That's why people like him. So uh, also later today, CNN plans to announce a lineup for the next Republican debate, which is scheduled for September 16th. So we'll see who's left out. Yeah. In this poll, it's interesting. It shows uh, you have 32% for Trump, 19% for Carson. Everyone else is 10% or lower. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, leading uh, what Bush and uh, Governor Walker are leading in there. But it's just everyone else is kind of just waiting for something to help them. I and guess. I saw I where know. Ben Carson said he's going to be more quiet in this next debate. He was yes. quite, quite quiet the first time. But yeah. he's just going to let Donald Trump just, you know, let him look. I don't know. I'll, I'll that, leave it at that. That seems to, even if Trump trips up, he's going to gain more followers, it looks could, like. Could be. It seems to be the case. The Justice Department sent out new policies Wednesday that focus on prosecuting individual employees at corporations that commit white-collar crimes. These rules were sent out in a memo to federal prosecutors throughout the country. It's the first major move by new Attorney General Loretta Lynch and addresses criticisms that few executives have been punished for the housing crisis and various financial scandals. All they did is pay fees and then, you know, a fine of some kind and move on. 
And like you tanked the economy. That what was are you huge. doing? Yes. So apparently they're going to go back and look at those. The uh, tenth shooting in less than two weeks was reported Wednesday morning when a window of a pickup truck driving east on a freeway in Maricopa County, Arizona, was struck by a projectile. Arizona Department of Public Safety has reported the driver told a Phoenix TV station that investigators think that the window was likely hit with a BB gun and it shattered the rear window of the truck. A bus driver had the same thing happen. A, uh, a projectile came through the window and it lodged in the seat next to him. And so this is getting dangerous. Wow, People are serious. driving around this this stretch of highway to avoid whoever's mm-hmm. shooting at cars as wow. they're driving by. So very dangerous situation there. Um, and finally, if everything goes to plan, goes with plan, China's space program, which so far has uh, everything has since the country, they launched their first astronaut in twenty or 2003. They're going to be the first country to land a probe on the dark side of the moon. Wow. The idea, uh, the, this week the Chinese Academy of Sciences announced a plan to send a probe designed, uh, designated Chang-4 to the moon's far side by 2020. Uh, 2013, China became the third country to land a probe on the moon along with the U.S. and the Soviet Union. China plans to study the geology on the far side of the moon, which is never visible from the Earth, in order to put a radio telescope there. In the meantime, the AP reports that China will be sending an unmanned spaceship to and from the moon to collect samples in 2017. And if you watch the movies, you got to be careful. On the dark side of the moons where mm-hmm. the Transformers transport <laughs> crashed, and you wake up the bad guys, and then mm-hmm. they take over the yeah, Earth, so you've got to be careful. Yeah, we got to be careful. Gotta but, be careful. well, speaking of that, did you hear about the uh, companies that plan to start sending up capsules to the moon with ashes? So if you have anybody that, you know, has been cremated, this story's for you. Yeah. Companies are hoping to send the cremated remains of their loved ones to the moon, where they'll spend eternity with Buzz Aldrin's footprints and the flag from MTV. This week, San Francisco-based... Elysium Space announced it will launch symbolic portions of ashes to the moon for the what? low price of $11,950. What do symbolic portions mean? I, I think just a small amount. Very the small. The heart. The heart. <laughs> the first 50 takers, though, they get a $2,000 discount, so you better jump on this quickly. Families now have the historic opportunity to commemorate their departed loved ones every night through the everlasting splendor and soft mm. illumination of the Earth's closest companion, the moon, Excellent. says the company. Yes. There you go. As popular science explains, the ashes won't be buried. Instead, the capsules will sit on the moon's surface like space litter there you go i we're mean just, can just you send junk we're to gonna put your ashes as space litter okay yeah thank you mom thanks for doing that appreciate that well thank you terry coming up next the uh very important and uh very uh difficult subject i think is for a lot of people to discuss a powerful discussion on suicide how can we prevent it and i guess maybe is it preventable matt discussed those issues with dr greg greg hudnell the chairman of the utah suicide prevention conference in partnership with byu dr hudnell was also joined by byu student caitlin thomas who is one of our great show producers and is also miss lehigh her platform is focused on suicide prevention that interview is coming up next right here on the matt townsend show you're listening to byu radio welcome back everybody to the matt townsend show uh such an important topic we're discussing today um, today, by the way, is National Suicide Awareness and Prevention Day. And did you know that every year, 40,000 people across the nation die by suicide? 
It has devastated and hurt many individuals and families. And as a result, the amount of awareness on the subject has also increased. Today, though, because it is uh, National Suicide Awareness and Prevention Day, we are joined by one of my employees, by the way, my, one of my coworkers and producers of our show, Caitlin Thomas, who, by the way, just so you know, not to brag, is currently serving as Miss Lehigh 2015. She is royalty. She wears her sash and her crown. She's joining us today. Thanks for being here, Caitlin. Hi, Matt. Caitlin Thomas. And Caitlin, by the way, is her platform uh, as Miss Lehigh is uh, dealing with suicide prevention. So we're going to be talking with her. And she's also invited a good friend of hers, Dr. Greg Hudnell, to join us, who's a, a Utah local who's organized a foundation in Utah called Hope for Utah that deals with suicide and also helps to educate communities. Greg, welcome to the show as well. Thank you, Matt. We thank you both for being here. This is such an important topic, and um, I did not know this, but I just saw some statistics about one million Americans attempt suicide every year. This is, that's, ah, that's so sad. It's people that are hurting, isn't it? Absolutely. And the thing is, is most of these people that are attempting or even taking their own lives by suicide have a diagnosable and treatable mental illness that they're just not getting the help with. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, again, it kind of goes back to everything you see in the news. There's so many people, we hear shootings, we hear of all these other problems out there because we're not effectively treating some of the mental, mental health issues of our lives. Let's, let's do this just to get started. I'd love to hear from you, Caitlin, of all topics you could choose as Miss Lehigh, why did you go for suicide prevention and awareness? Great question, Matt. Well, as a running in the Miss America organization, you, of course, pick a service platform that you will spend the year as your title holder to, um, you know, furthering. And I picked this one because actually last year in 2014, I was not in the country. I was serving a religious mission in the Philippines. Yeah. And while I was over there, I had a family member who was dealing very seriously with some depression and Mm. anxiety that while she was getting help, I just... She was not in the the best place, and she did actually attempt to take her own life oh, at wow. that time. We were fortunate enough. My mom was fortunate enough to to walk in, kind of in the middle of this whole thing, and and oh, save her wow. life. So we yeah. got she, my mom was able to intervene by by uh, some good grace, and uh, we got her the help she needed. Now she's doing great. But there are so many stories like mine, like yeah. my family's, that are not. As you know, I mean, what if your mom hadn't ending? walked in at this I mean, ideal it was, yeah, time to be there? It was three there. in the morning. She, uh. My mom just had an inkling that she needed to wake up and go see what was wrong with my with my family member, and we were able to intervene and get her the help that she needed. And now she's doing great. Yeah, she's starting college this year. She's going. She's getting her own job. She's finally able to get a driver's license. All of these things that she couldn't do before. Simply because we got her the yeah. help that she needed. And a lot, and you wouldn't have even known. I mean, you, you may have known she was struggling, having a hard time. But then, I mean, and I assume, and we'll get into all of this throughout the show, but the guilt that we would feel and, oh, why didn't I know? Or if, you know, just the just the, the trauma of having to walk in and see that would be such a horrendous thing. So it's a personal thing for you. That's why you chose it. Yes, absolutely. And. As soon as I found out about this, like I said, I wasn't even in the country, so there was not much that I could do, and I felt horrible. I felt very kind of hopeless almost in a way, and there, like there was nothing I could do. But the more that it hit my family, the more educated we became, and we all soon realized that this is not just unique to our family. Mm. But in fact, this is affecting 
hundreds of families across the nation. But that's Ugh. why I picked this because there is hope. Yeah. And I'm hoping that if we, we talk about this and, and we remove kind of the negative taboo that we put on it, that we'll be able to help those who are struggling with it and encourage them to get the help that they there, need. There really is a, a big taboo on it, isn't there? We, it's something we just don't like to talk about. And as we bring on um, Dr. Greg Hudnell, he he has organized Hope for Utah, which we're going to use your your skills and your specialty, hopefully, to give hope to the entire country during this interview. But um, but Greg, talk to us about your background. I mean, you you're the executive. You've been um, the executive director of a community crisis team responding to suicides here in in Utah and Utah County. But you're also a therapist, and and you're the founder, I guess, of Hope for Utah. Yeah, I actually start. I was actually a high school principal in mm. Provo, Matt. When I had my experience, I was contacted by the Provo police to come down and identify the body of a 14-year-old who had killed himself in the public park next to my school. Oh wow! About two o'clock in the morning. It was probably one of the most devastating experiences I ever had. Great young man came from a great family, and um, when I got done identifying him, I walked back to my car and I literally just threw up and sobbed for about five minutes. Yeah. And, it was 1997-98 school year, and I made a vow that I would do everything I could on the side to help prevent suicide. Next year, I got into the, I was promoted to the district office in Provo and started working with the agencies in Provo, Wasatch Mental Health, Intermountain Health Care, State Hospital, Provo Police, a lot of agencies coming together to really start looking at what we needed to do. We were averaging one to two suicides a year in Provo. Uh, the state of Utah is number 10th in the nation hmm. for ages 10 to 17 oh, wow. for suicide. Youngest suicide we've had is a fourth grader. Oh. Uh, and unfortunately, even this past school year, we lost two fifth graders. Oh, my so heavens, we, they're so young. Yeah, yeah, it's frightening. And so we put our program together, started to have success, but we were missing one piece, which was so critical, and that's the piece that um, seven out of ten young people who take their life by suicide will tell a friend or give a warning sign, and that friend will never tell an adult. Mm. So we, we actually went up to Tempview High School, 2,100 students, um, asked every student in the school if you were struggling emotionally, needed someone to talk to, list the names of three of your friends. And the most amazing thing happened, the same 40 names rose to the top. Really? So you asked them to list the name of some, one of their friends that they think might be struggling with the thoughts you know, of suicide? Someone would be a good listener. Oh, oh, somebody that would be a good listener. Okay. Yeah, someone that, that, that you would trust that if you were struggling, hmm. needed someone to talk to. And out of those 2,100, the same 40 names rose to the top. Unbelievable. We, we pulled them out, started training them on how to identify a peer, how to recognize those signs. It was so successful. We moved it into every one of our other schools and we went nine years without a suicide. Unbelievable. Yeah. So now we're um, actually retired as the associate superintendent in Provo two years ago because so, we were getting so much demand for our program. Yeah. Now we're in 190 schools across the state and in 65 cities. We've trained about 32,000 residents on warning signs, what to look for, how to intervene. Holy cow. Isn't that amazing? An event... As a principal, identifying one of these, identifying the body of a of a teen, um, uh, and then from that and the sickness of it all to, I mean, in your and you just having that repulsion almost to having to deal with such a tragic, sad thing led you to all of this. I mean, that is 
that's enormous. And and I guess is that how you heard about him? Is that Caitlin how you heard about Greg? Where did you find Greg? Well, so I came back from the Philippines in December, and I knew that I was going to be running for the Miss Lehigh pageant, and I knew this was going to be my platform. And let's be real. I coached you. I exactly. Showed all you, the way through. I, I mean, taught you how to tape yeah. up. <laughs> Matt, Matt taught me how to walk. But especially in swimsuit. He's a professional li- yeah. at it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm totally good. Heels. <laughs> Sad but true. Absolutely. No, but so then I came home, and what happened was I was kind of – there's other organizations, um, for example, there's the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, or AFSP, and they're national, so they're all over the country. Yeah. But I wanted to find something that was very specific to to my community, Yeah. something that I could really work very closely with. And so I just, honestly, I typed in, you know, suicide awareness groups in Utah County, and, and Greg found... popped up. He was the first one that came up on Google, and I got a hold of him and one of his um, employees, or I mean volunteers, sorry, um, her name's Amanda. And I was able to start working with them and traveling with them and helping them do presentations and, and setting up booths and, and whatnot. It's so amazing. I mean, really, to, to hear the success that I think Greg has and then you promoting that, it's it really is the perfect kind of topic to push. Because I, I think in the end, we're all so under-informed and misinformed. Yeah. Yeah. And so teach us just a few things about... Um, maybe blow up some of our myths. There are some myths I know about suicide that we just don't quite get. There's, I know one thing that uh, Caitlin's already taught me is about what we call it yeah, and what we don't call it. Yeah, we were talking about how I was telling Matt when, when we go on air, try to avoid using the term they've committed suicide, right? We're trying to get rid of the term commit because people commit crimes, right? People yeah. commit murder. Right. When somebody, Commit Harry Carey. Exactly. Right. <laughs> when people take their own life, they're not committing some sort of crime, and we want to take a negative connotation away from it. So we need to say, start with terms with they've died by suicide, they've taken their life by suicide, we've yeah. lost someone yeah. to suicide. And in that way, I think we can pull away from some of these, you know, these people are selfish, these people are mm-hmm. horrible, these people are and whatnot, whatnot, and help these people understand that they're not cowardly and selfish for feeling this way. There's something mentally you know, not going right. right in their heads, but they can get help. And that's what I think we need to help people understand is that there is hope. Yeah. There is help. They're not crazy and they're not selfish and, and you know, yeah, cowardly. Yeah, that kind of destigmatizes it. Greg, wh- what else do we need to know? What are some other myths that we just need to blow up right off the top? Well, I, I think a big one is that if we talk about it, we're going to um, encourage someone to take their life by suicide. Absolutely. Where the reality is by not talking about it, um, it actually causes more problems. Individuals that um, are suicidal don't want to die. They want the pain to go away. But they don't necessarily have the tools or the techniques or the ability at that point. Hmm. Yeah. And so because of that, we're, the research shows time and time again that if you will ask that question, have you thought about hurting yourself? Have you thought about suicide? About 70% of the time they'll... Uh, open up, and, and I've experienced that. I've met with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that have been referred to me, and in, in my meeting with them, I will ask, so, you know, Johnny, have you thought about hurting yourself? And um, amazing the number of times a student will look up and say, well, how did you know that? Mm. And I'll say, well, Mrs. Johnson referred you, for, and you had written in your English uh, journal that you thought about, you know, you, you know, that you didn't want to live anymore, your family was better off without you, or some comment, and Sometimes when people make those comments, they think about taking their life, and then they will open up. And in a lot of situations, they're looking for help. Yeah. They don't want to die, and, but that's 
having that courage, and that's one of the things that we do in our training. We actually role play and we actually practice it so people can feel comfortable. And I can't tell you the number of stories that I've received back from coaches, from scout leaders, from young men, young women leaders, from um, a variety of individuals who have said, I did it. I, I recognized the signs. I talked with this individual, and they admitted to me that they that they were contemplating suicide, and we were able to get them help. Oh, so needed, so important. Um, let's do this, guys. Let's take a break, come back, and we're going to continue the discussion on the other side about how to do it, what to do, what are some of those signs we can use and, and see to recognize that somebody needs help And um, just getting more ideas, more information, folks, about suicide prevention, suicide help. Um, we're, we're We're talking to the pros. We'll be right back, folks. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, discussing, I think, a really a hidden issue that it's not so hidden. It's out there. We hear about it all the time, but we still kind of have it so taboo that we don't discuss it. Today is National Suicide Awareness and Prevention Day, and we're taking it on. We're going to try to understand what's really going on, some of the myths and the things we can do personally with those that... Um, are in our families that might be suffering with suicidal thoughts or um, just how to deal with this issue a little bit more directly. Joining us is uh, Dr. Greg Hudnell, a local here from in Utah that runs a foundation called Hope for Utah that deals with suicide and helps to educate the communities. He's educating thousands and thousands of teenagers to help their friends um, to kind of be maybe the early detector, the early warning detector, maybe a guide that can help them through some of their feelings. Also, uh, Miss Lehigh 2015 is joining us, Caitlin Thomas, who's one of the producers on our show, on the Matt Townsend Show. She is a student, a journalism student, and uh, again, not to ba- brag, one of my trainees, I helped her win the uh, title. <laughs> uh, I taught her how to walk, apparently, in heels and um, how to tape your body so you look whatever, taller. Matt does it every day in the office. <laughs> I tape my body up before every radio show. <laughs> and then I like to put Vaseline on my teeth. Um, anyway, welcome, Caitlin, uh, to the show. This is your, this is, what do we call this? Your platform. Platform. Yes. Of all the things you could have chosen, you chose this because of a personal family threat of suicide. It scared you to death when you were on your mission. And yet your family member got help. And I think I've met this person. Have I? You have. She's beautiful and incredible and smart and talented. And uh, like we've been talking about, this really is usually 90% of the time there's a treatable mental health issue behind it. Is that right, Greg? Yeah, and that's what what we're finding. And and we're seeing it um, in a younger age, as I mentioned earlier. But one of the things that one of the premier researchers in the country um, talks about, his name's Klott, K-L-O-T-T, but he talks about the concept that a lot of students will struggle with undetected and undiagnosed and untreated a mental merging disorder. Hmm. You know, they may experiment with substance abuses and other things. And, and these young people um, don't understand what they're going through, and we don't recognize it as an adult. Um, and, I, you know, I've seen 
um, a lot of different uh, research projects out there. And at one point, I remember they were saying that, um, you know, the, the, the individuals that will deal with some mental health issue in their life is pretty amazing when you look at the amount. And what we find, we call it the 24-48 hour window, and it's what we want parents and, and adults to realize is that in a lot of situations, it's a romantic breakup, disciplinary action, something that's happened yeah. in their life that if someone can intervene, talk to them, monitor their behavior, watch what's going on, and, and ask them if they're thinking about hurting themselves or whatever, and then getting them professional help, high percentage of these suicides can be prevented. Hmm. Are they, I guess, is, is the mental illness is not suicide, it, the mental illness is like anxiety or depression, I'm assuming, isn't it? It, it, it is. And, you know, I've heard a great Which is ever. I mean, so many people have that. So that's, right. that's why this is such a prevalent possibility after a breakup or a major issue, you could fall into that cycle. Yeah, yeah. You know, I heard a, a colleague of mine uses the, the concept that most depressed people are not suicidal. Right. But most suicidal people are depressed. Hmm. And so you could have 100 people in that room, and I just dealt with a, a, a young man who, college-age student, got his report card, got his first A-, and it was enough to push him over the edge. Oh, to wow. You could have 100 students in the room. They all get an A-, 99 walk oh, away going. I'm cheering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, that is yeah. cool. Yes, for the A-. Right. Yeah. Some that will be cheering, and then others going, oh, okay, Whatever. I can deal with it. Yeah. But it's enough for that one yeah. person to become depressed enough to push him over the edge. Ah. And so children are a big uh children teenagers are probably more of the more of the potential candidates as well as I just saw a statistic 22% of um suicides are uh veterans. You know the the military my wife is a therapist for the VA and she talks about that this these past wars that we've gone through that this has been the highest rate of suicide um, than ever before. Mm. And, you know, in the state of Utah, w- the state of Utah is number ninth out of all 50. And then you throw D.C. area into that for ages 15 to 24 for suicide. Oh, wow. Ninth in the nation. So teen to teen to like, I guess, really up to 25, which is where we're always saying, yeah, that's when you find your brain is fully formed. And yeah, it's that it's probably that it's that it's that, I guess, maturing stage of life. Yeah. But if you if you if if you take that a step further across the board up to age 44, we're still eighth or ninth in the nation. Yeah. Wow. So you know it's a huge impact. We had a chance to spend a week with uh, the CDC Center for Disease Control last June, and um, they really shared some important information. Um, rurality. I'd never heard that term before, but a lot of rural areas, Native Americans are high risk for suicide, yeah. as well as LGBT huh. uh, individuals. A lot of guilt, a lot of um, bullying. Kids um, get bullied a lot um, that are LGBT, and they're a high risk uh, for attempted suicide. Oh, and it's it, you just think about it. It really is. So much of it is loneliness it, and it almost makes sense i mean the rurality rural ruralality if that's the word uh there might not be the resources there if you're lgbt you're alone you're so different from everyone else the breakup you know anything i guess that that kind of sparks the 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 mental health issues the depression or or yep. things like that 
right? And that's and it, it's difficult because um, I'll have parents come to me and say, well, what about my son? And a lot of times we'll see it as a response to a situation um, that they're dealing with. There are others that that will deal with lifetime depression, um, and while medication doesn't eliminate the medic, uh, the depression, it can help them deal with it. But there's a lot of challenges in our society um, that these individuals are going through, and we just need to be cognitively aware of how we can recognize those signs and then reach out and provide that help. Yeah. Talk to us about the signs. What what are some of the signs that we need to be paying attention to? I mean, I'm assuming if somebody is saying that they want to commit suicide, that's the big sign. Yeah, so there's there's probably <clears throat> 10 or 12, Matt, that we kind of go by. Number one, of course, just like you mentioned, is what we call suicidal talk. They talk about being a burden to someone, wanting to die, families better off with them, without them. The second is a preoccupation. We, we train parents to, you know, watch what your children and, and, and even adults, you know, if they're going online looking up um, suicide, um, preoccupation with death or dying, videos, video games, different things with that. Signs of depression. So you start to see a loss of interest. They start to pull themselves away from activities that they're usually involved in. You'll see in some situations behavioral changes, the extreme mood swings. Um, a big one that, we're, that, that I've personally experienced with with some uh, um, young people in, in my neighborhood uh, giving away prized possession. Oh, that's a big sign, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great young man gave away his watch, told three or four friends he was going to kill himself. Not one friend told an adult. Uh. You see it with music, with you know something, a clothing of value. Um, difficulty with appetite and sleeping. They'll stay up all night, eat chips, drink pop, um, you know, splurge on the junk food, and then they sleep during the day. Hmm. They start to lose that sleep cycle. Um, we see it with taking excessive risk. Um, kids that are doing, you know, the extreme. Um, and unfortunately, we see an increase in drug use. Um, close friend dies by suicide. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a huge red flag for me because I want to know if, if, if they knew about it and then didn't do anything. So they, then they deal with that guilt. Yeah, you could almost see it could spread Yeah, where yeah. one does it. I mean, and then you've heard of like the suicides by pact, I guess, where others are talking about it or their friends that are talked about it. Is that very right. common? It is. About 1% to 5% of all suicides are copycats or contagious. <sighs> I, I was involved with a community down south where we lost five kids in two days about 10 years ago, and it was, it was a contagion that took off. And so that's why anytime we have a suicide, we'll bring a crisis team in, we'll work with the community, we'll work with that church, we'll work with that school, so we can identify any of those individuals that may have known about it, been aware of it, or may be struggling themselves, because we want to do, do everything we can to make sure that it doesn't prompt them to attempt or take their life. Yeah. Caitlin, what, uh, when you got into this as your platform for Miss Lehigh, what has surprised you the more you've gotten? I mean, you, you started it for a family member, your platform anyway. What surprised you as you've gotten into it? One thing that I remember looking at was, well, obviously the rise of suicide that we've seen, especially in my generation. And I think that's why it interests me so much because more teens and young adults die from suicide um, every year than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, stroke, oh, the flu combined. Yeah. So we're losing more teens and young adults. And sometimes I look at it as, um, just the issues facing our younger generation today seem to be a lot different. I don't want to say harder, but a lot different than the, the ones faced by some of the older generations. 
especially when it comes to, you know, the standards to be able to get into college are much higher. The yeah. tuition is much higher. It's harder to get a job. The prospects of the future can sometimes come very daunting. And then, of course, you've got things such as social media that now encourage bullying right. a much in a much easier fashion. And along with that, I was surprised to find out how easily you can access websites that promote suicide and promote self-harm. Uh, um, my family member was actually, it. yeah, my family member was actually exploring these websites, um, which kind of taught her a how to self-harm and b how to to take her own life in, in a way that would be the least that would cause the least amount of pain mm. um, physically. So, yeah. I mean, we have so many amazing things that help us further our future, but there's also these daunting prospects that that can be really hard to riddle out. And so, I think parents, especially and and friends. Um, need to under, need to know their kids. Friends need to know their friends. And we need to recognize these signs that Greg was just talking about. And it's it's okay to talk to your kids. You know, as a parent, it's okay to say, hey, have you ever thought about suicide? Do you have a plan? Yeah. And like Greg said earlier, the myth that that's going to encourage them is absolutely no. wrong. Yeah. It's not. Ask that. Have ask you had those thoughts? questions, right? It's it's kind of the same thing with, you know, intimacy. Back in the day, my parents, yeah. that you just didn't talk we about it because you don't want to give them the idea. Nobody's even doing it. Exactly. <laughs> Except it's somehow children thing. keep coming to this world. And we have to understand. And what these, what we, I want the younger generation to understand is suffering from sort of some form of mental illness does not make them crazy, right. does not make them psycho, yeah. which is kind of the terms that we tend to use sometimes. But in fact, right, sometimes we go to the doctor because our we get the flu, we mm-hmm. have a cold, or, or we break our leg. It's the same thing. If your brain is sick, you need to go see someone that can help you. And a lot of what my platform is, what I'm trying to promote is awareness in my own community and then have access to resources because there are resources yeah. to help young kids. And even if you don't come from a family with a whole lot of money, there are resources that the state can give you to help your child or yourself if you're going through or suffering through something like this. We'll um, At the very end of the interview, we'll, and we've only got a couple more minutes, we'll list every resource. So be ready with the resource download. <laughs> um, but as we, as we kind of wrap this up, Greg, uh, one thought is get to your kids, ask them if they've had thoughts. I mean, two, it just is amazing to me. My kids... They they know people, right? So I could find out, have you heard from friends that have thought or ever used words about you know suicide or they've thought of suicide? What else should I be doing as a parent um, to, to, to see if I can't help more? Well, I, I think number one, Matt, is we want to encourage parents to really talk with young children about their feelings. I'll have parents come up afterwards and say, I have a 7-year-old I'm worried about. I have a 10-year-old. You know, what age do I start talking to them? And the younger they are, the more we will have them draw pictures and do other things that way. But most important is to help those young people label their feelings so that they better understand and they become more aware of what is going on inside them. And so parents can ask, how are you feeling? Are you feeling sad or angry? Do you feel sad or angry only once in a while? Do you feel it a lot of the time? And then help those young people understand that those are real emotions and it's okay to have those emotions but then try to build that relationship so that when they do feel like it's overwhelming, that they'll come to you yeah. and, and, and encourage them to express their feelings so that they strengthen that bond and the connection. Too many times we're very black and white, and we want our kids to act and behave in a certain way. And, and what we need to do is back off and let them share those emotions and those feelings. And then if I have a young person that's, that's afraid to 
or refuses to whatever, then uh, I, I was involved at the school with the fifth grade who had taken her life. And mm. uh, we, we saw 87 kids in two days, and we would bring the students down, second graders, third graders, fourth graders, and we had them in a room, and we would have them draw a picture of their home and, and clouds and the sky and the sun. The darker the colors, the more worried we became. And so that's what we kind of monitored and worked with. But in the end, most important, Matt, if, if parents, if you have any concern or questions, please see a professional. Just like Caitlin said, uh, in the state of Utah, in every county, there's a mental health agency. You can go on our website, hopeforutah.com, and they can list under resources every one of those agencies. We also list all of the professional individuals that are available that specialize in cutting and depression and suicidation and other things. So there are a lot of resources. We just need to get parents more comfortable and, and family members. It may be your spouse. It may be an adult member uh, in, your, in your home yeah. to, to convince them to try to talk to someone. Oh. It really is. It's such important information. Um, and Caitlin, any other sources we should go to? And there's the national AFSP.org. Mm-hmm. They have a website that will do, provide the same thing that Hope for Utah's website does, but nationally. So that's and the it, American Foundation mm-hmm. for, for suicide. suicide Prevention, AFSP.org. Any others? Um, I know that there's lots and lots, like he said, Greg said, there's lots of um, mental health facilities throughout the nation. If you're not sure where to go, the best resource would probably be to go to your local, you know, public servants like the police station, nine one one. Yeah, they'll know. There's also they? the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which you can find the phone number online. They will. They're twenty four seven. There's always someone there to talk to you, whether it's you or someone that you know. If you call them, they will direct you where to go and how to get help. Oh, so important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you've you've got your platform. You're pushing it. We we appreciate you, Caitlin. And then, so Caitlin, I don't know, just so you know, Caitlin, uh, Miss Lehigh, she will then soon be Miss Utah, and then you'll see her as Miss America, <laughs> and then she's going to change her platform to promoting the Matt Townsend Show. Can I plug in one more thing? Yeah, please. Tonight, um, in honor to remember those that we've lost to suicide, on September 10th tonight, we ask that everybody light a candle and put it in their window at oh, 8 cool. p.m., Yeah, just kind of as a memoriam to, to spread awareness and to remember those that we've That's lost. That's a great idea. Light a candle. Put it in your window. Um, And again, we appreciate you, Caitlin Thomas. We also appreciate you, again, Dr. Greg Hudnall from um, Hope for Utah. What what a great resource you both are. And um, again, everybody, let's let's start looking after the one that's down and out. Let's start paying attention and listening more, connecting to those we love. We'll take a break, my friends. Wrap up uh, this hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back after the break. everyone. Kathy Aiken filling in for Matt today. We appreciate that interview. We just heard our thanks to Dr. Gregory Hudnall and Caitlin Thomas for bringing to light really a very difficult subject. And just again, to give you that suicide prevention lifeline, the number 1-800-273-8255. Please share that number if you know someone who needs help. Again, it's 1-800-273-8255. If you just need someone to talk to, please give that lifeline a call. So very good interview, I thought, in that hour. It's a very difficult subject to talk about. Yes, it is. And I think we all, we all know someone 
who has, you know, taken their own life or, you know, a relative, a cousin or someone that knows someone. So obviously it's a, it's a very serious issue. So anyway, our thanks to them for that. Interesting story out of, out of New York, as you know, the U.S. Open is going on and ex-tennis pro James Blake, if those of you out there are tennis fans remember him, was wrongly arrested. Apparently internal affairs detectives are investigating claims by Blake that he was thrown to the ground and then handcuffed while mistakenly being arrested Wednesday at a Manhattan hotel. Blake, who is 35 and also biracial, told the New York Daily News he wasn't sure if he was arrested because of his race, but said the officer had put him in the handcuffs inappropriately used force. Stephen Davis, the New York Police Department's top spokesman, said a cooperating witness misidentified Blake to detectives investigating fraudulently purchased cell phones as one of two people he recognized as being involved with the scheme. Officers arrested a suspect in the cell phone scam at the Grand Hyatt, New York, during a controlled buy earlier Wednesday. It was after that buy that a delivery man with a cell phone company pointed Blake out and another man in the hotel lobby as having purchased cell phones the day before. The second man who uh, was with Blake was taken into custody. A security guard at the hotel himself, a former member of the NYPD, recognized Blake and had to tell the arresting officers, uh, I know who he is. Do you know who that he is? Was not, he was not the cell phone guy, so let him go. Oh, boy. Crazy New York City. Ever been to New York City? No. You haven't? I don't know if I want to. Oh, you do. It's such a great place to visit. It I is, don't know. It is so much fun. I don't like really congested. Oh, then yeah, don't go. Very congested. Areas. The subway, very congested. But, you know, I think it's just a great place to visit. And then you realize, you know what? Small Salt Lake City isn't so bad. Yeah. I We went to Washington, D.C. on a trip. We went to San Francisco on a trip. And mm-hmm. I just get very stressed yeah. around that many people yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. The older I get, the less I hate crowds for sure. I go into the grocery store and I get stressed. By how <laughs> there you go. Are. Here in Provo? No, mostly in in Europe. But oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But still, sometimes in Provo, I'm just like, I too many people. You don't like crowds. Yeah, don't go to New York then if you don't like crowds. I love it. I love the U.S. Open. I've been there before, and I could go there every year. I wish I had the time, but uh, unfortunately, I don't. Right. Uh, do you fly much, Kathy? Not a whole lot. Not a but whole few, lot. Maybe a couple times a year, maybe. What do you think the 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 dirtiest spot on the airplane oh. is? The dirtiest spot. You know, they do these things. They go around and they it's test different surfaces. obviously not the bathroom, right? So It's in there. Oh, it is in obviously there. Obviously, it's I would think the handle. They had to flush the handle? That's one of them. Okay. Um, that's one. The seat. The seat. No. No? We're looking at the top four dirtiest places on the airplane. Okay, the when handle. When it comes to bacteria and right, stuff like that. Handle. So we got the handle the in the laboratory. Handle. Okay. The handles to turn on the water? No. Uh, are we out of the bathroom we're now? We're out of the bathroom. Oh, we're out of the bathroom. Um, oh, probably the, the the seat back in front of you where you put everything. The tray table? You are the tray table well, the, would be well, one. You're talking and about I'm the ta- pocket. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, the pocket in front of no, the, the seat. No, the, the, the tray table oh, the tray is the number one sure. filthiest place on uh, the airplane. Yeah, I wonder how often they wash those. I don't know. Probably not very often. They do clean the airplane, but then, you know, how often do they clean it and that kind of thing? Yeah. So, yeah. I think they just kind of grab the, you know, the. It's the, a sta- the this is a, a website called Travel Math, sent a microbiologist to explore both airports and airplanes, testing a variety of items that we normally use to come up with. And they have this list now, and mm-hmm. it's based on colony forming units, which is always a comforting thought. You're <laughs> colony developing a colony of bacteria. Oh, wow. And it says the tray table's horrible. Stay away from it. Which is impossible because right. where are you going to yeah, put where anything? Gonna put your drinks and things. So maybe bring some disinfecting wipes I, and you can help. Good idea. I, don't know if I have works. I have sanitizing. The action. overhead vent. 
just yeah, over okay. your head, uh, just okay. right there on your seat because you're always touching it, moving it oh, around. Oh, yeah, to turn on the air? Okay. The uh, We talked about laboratory flush button. Oh, yes. And then the seat belt buckle. The seat belt buckle, Places yeah. where normally your yeah. hands are going to be on an airplane, they're just gross. Yeah, I'll tell you, after hand sanitizer came out, I think I have uh, I should have stock in that company. I yeah. have it everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, so My I don't car. know how you're going to avoid no. the... No, uh, 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 I guess if you care... You're not going to die, apparently, because we've all. I mean, yeah. if you, people people are flying every day. Yeah. People aren't getting that sick. But uh-huh. It's kind of gross, apparently. And, well, you know, international like, flights. That would, those would scare me a little bit. Not little bit. knowing where the people are coming from, you know, yeah. that, that would scare me a little bit. Right, just so they're not coming from like an Ebola nation. There you go. There you yeah, go. that would that would probably <laughs> be the one. Okay, thank you, Terry. Well, the second hour is in the books, everyone. Coming up, really, one of my most favorite former athletes here at BYU, and one of the greatest recruits to ever play in Cougar Blue, Alicia. Rose. She played soccer here at BYU and is currently an assistant on Jennifer Rockwood's staff. The women's soccer team, by the way, currently ranked number nine in the country. Alicia Rose. She's coming up next on the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Happy Thursday or happy National TV Dinner Day or Swap Ideas Day. A couple of strange days, but hey, it's Thursday. Which obviously means we're almost to Friday. I know Matt said Thursday's his worst day. He's tired the most on a Thursday. So hopefully he's getting a little sleep this morning. And if you think about it, Tuesday is the most useless day of the week. Tuesday? Because Monday's the day you get back yeah. from the weekend. Wednesday, halfway through the week, yeah, hump day. Yeah. Thursday, it's uh, you're basically to Friday. Yeah, and then Friday, like... you've kind of given up on the week anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> Tuesday is that day where that it's That is like, the bad day. It's just Maybe a waste of time. Maybe next Tuesday is waste of day day. Yeah. Waste of your time day. Okay, whatever. Well, anyway, Matt taking the day off, uh, we'll, but we'll be back here tomorrow morning. And so excited to talk to our next guest. Alicia Rose is the assistant coach on BYU women's soccer team. And Truly one of the greatest soccer players to ever play here. Not only that, but one of the biggest recruits in BYU athletic history. We're going to talk to her about this year's team, ranked number five in the country. They just came off a tough loss to uh, second-ranked Stanford on Monday night, and they host Utah State tonight here in Provo. We're going to talk to her about the team and also how she's able to, as a mother of three, juggle everything that she does. She's got three darling children, two girls and a boy, and, and then uh, the job with the team. And so I'll be interested to see how she's able to juggle everything and do everything so well. She's great. Is she out there waiting for us? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm actually texting a producer to oh. go out and check and okay. see if she is because I you was know, out you there. You had that and look on your face. Yet. I was like, uh-oh, she is coming. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she's great. You look at her. She's tall. She's very thin. You would never think that she was a great athlete. I don't mean that in a bad sense at all, mm-hmm. but just to, to looking at her, she's, she's, she's gorgeous. She's tall. She's thin. And I don't know. She just doesn't look like someone that would run you over, but she would run you over. She would run you yeah, over. Yeah, she was fantastic. I'll stay out of the way. Yeah, she was a great player. So I'm so looking forward to that interview coming up in just a bit. But first, Terry has all the headlines from this morning. Hillary Clinton gave a lengthy speech Wednesday in support of the Iran nuclear negotiations by the Obama administration and other world powers, effectively removing little space between herself and the agreement. Clinton noted in her speech 
to the Brookings Institute that she had been Secretary of State during the time that the international sanctions re- regime was uh, regiment was established to pressure Iran on its nuclear program. She said, my approach will be to distrust and verify. We should anticipate that Iran will test the next president. They will want to see how far they can bend the rules. That won't work if I'm in the White House. She also had this to say. I will not hesitate to take military action if Iran attempts to obtain a nuclear weapon. The uh, long-awaited congressional effort to reject the Iran deal now appears in jeopardy after a revolt by Republicans in the House of Representatives. If Congress is unable to pass a unified resolution rejecting the Iran deal, the outcome is a win for the Obama administration, which negotiated the agreement and would have, have to veto the measure of disapproval. The House was set to begin procedural work on the vote of disapproval on Wednesday, but conservatives with the GOP ranks protested that the Obama administration had not yet produced side deals reached between Iran and the International Atomic Energy Agency. So there's infighting, there's a, there's a, a, a schism, if you will, between mm-hmm. the Republicans, which is kind of how everything has transpired with well, the Republicans Well, when you figure they, they have the power in the House and the Senate and they're not really doing much, no. I think they're getting angry at each no. other. No, it's kind of interesting how that's, that's played out. The polls have officially become ruthless. Just kind of giving you a general warning there. A new survey by public policy polling found that 78% of GOP primary voters in Lindsey Graham's home state of South Carolina think he should end his presidential bid. Yeah, does he even have 1%? No. Yeah. The, uh, Good the, time. the general thought is for him to drop out. A Monmouth University poll released Tuesday had similar results, this time towards former Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chaffee. Did you know he was running? Had no idea. Yeah. He's officially running? He, he announced. Oh, I missed that. I remember because he, he wanted to... I think ch- I lost at 16. I'm he, done, yeah. you know? I'm he done. wanted to change the... Uh, he wants us to change to the metric system. Uh-huh. And so he had a whole presentation about how the metric system would be great for America. No. It, it, it has its pluses and minuses, but that was his big platform kickoff was the metric system. Oh. Everyone was like, really? Not a good one. Um, so the... Uh, what they who who did oh Conan Conan O'Brien on his late night TV show he ran a whole uh, bit to try to get him to at least one percent in the polls yeah so he was trying to help him out as much <laughs> as he could how do you raise money when you're at one percent you don't you don't you just kind of run on your own dime I I guess maybe yeah. you I don't okay know. that's very odd so yeah very odd. Uh, we've talked about it. It's it's ongoing. The uh, the the shootings that are happening on the freeway in uh, Phoenix. Um, I think it's the 10 that runs through Phoenix. I, I can't remember the exact freeway there, but it's through Maricopa County. Someone with a BB gun, pellet gun, is suspected to be shooting at, at cars. Uh, uh, we have an uh, incident with a truck where the, the back window of the truck was blown out. A bus driver had a, a projectile come through the window and lodge in the front seat next to him. And so drivers are being shot at. There's a $20,000 reward offered for any information leading to an arrest. The, uh, the police are very concerned, as you probably imagine. People don't want to be shot at as they're driving. Absolutely. So that's the thing. Uh, the Pope, he is coming to Philadelphia. Right. He's going to have a, a mass and have probably a bunch of public visits. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds is all it took to sell out all the tickets. Wow. For How big's the venue? The mass. Did it say? Um, 10,000 tickets. Wow. 30 seconds. So later this month, he'll be in Philadelphia. He'll... Uh, 10,000 tickets gone in 30 seconds. The tickets were made available online at 8 p.m. on first-come, first-served basis. People couldn't pick up more than four tickets at a time. Even with that restriction, the tickets to the 4 p.m. mass on Sunday, September 27th, were gone in 30 seconds. These tickets were free. Wow. That, of course, doesn't stop people trying to take advantage. Within two hours, the tickets were on sale on eBay for 
$100 to, oh, from $100 to $450 oh, a piece. I'm sure Excellent. there'll be people that pay for it, for sure. <laughs> free tickets yeah, to, to go see this. Yeah, he's a popular this, so. man. Yeah, that's great. So there's... Uh, crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. Did you know, did you hear the story that exercise can be bad for your teeth? So for those of you that are out there looking for an excuse of not to exercise, just say, you know what, Mom? I'll get cavities. Excellent. German dental researchers set out to explore the impact of endurance training on oral health and what they found might be bad news for the hardcore. I don't know what they mean by hardcore, but a group of 70 participants, half triathletes, have half non-athletes with an average age of 36, underwent an oral exam, had their saliva tested while sitting, and answered questions about their dieting and exercise and oral habits. Fifteen of the athletes additionally had their saliva tested while running for about 35 minutes. The athletes were found to have a higher risk of dental erosion. 35 hmm. minutes, that's not... Like, I don't think that's hardcore by any means. That's interesting. Yeah. While both groups had the same cavity prevalence, the more training time an athlete logged, the more likely he suffered from cavities. Hmm. It was not due to sports drinks, apparently, which has most of them have a ton of sugar in it. What they found was a difference in spit and a fairly surprising one. At rest, a participant's saliva, which helps protect teeth, was the same in terms of volume and chemical makeup. But things began to change as the athletes started working out. Saliva production dropped hmm that's why i always chew gum right keep my mouth kind of a little something. moist yeah, yeah. You gotta yeah. have something in there isn't that weird hmm. so next time you don't want to go to the gym i thought maybe like your teeth were banging around as you were running yeah, or something no. you need a mouthpiece no to, it sounds to like, like it's teeth. eroding your teeth so huh. those that are doing the you know the ultra marathons i they're probably in a lot of trouble they probably have really bad teeth i'm guessing you know, like a hundred mile I, yeah, kind of things. I, I kind of think those people are kind of off anyway. So the fact that maybe their teeth are having a problem isn't a surprise. It's no big so. deal. Yeah. hundred miles. Why would you run a hundred miles? I don't know. Those, those, we have cars. those are amazing athletes to me. I don't get it. Yeah. We have bikes. Well, it went from a ben marathon. A Remember that one? Today? That was crazy. You're thinking was that? 26 miles a oh, marathon. Yeah. And now oh, you're yeah. talking a hundred? I still think that. Oh, Anything wow. over, say, three miles. Yeah, that's a lot. I'll do the 5K. I have run a couple of marathons, it. I have to say. I, I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Glad it's over. I'm not doing it again. Okay. Well, stay with us, everyone. Up next, one of the best recruits in BYU athletic history and also one of the nicest women you will ever meet. Alicia Rose will be in studio talk about the BYU women's soccer team and how she's able to juggle that and also be a mother of three. Alicia Rose coming up next on the Matt Townsend Show. the Matt Townsend Show. Kathy Aiken filling in for Matt as he takes the day off, and I'm super happy that he is off today because I get to interview our next guest, Alicia Rose. Back in 1999, Alicia was named the National High School Player of the Year out of Lakewood, Colorado, and came to BYU as one of the best recruits ever to sign to play any sport here at BYU. She was a four-time All-American midfielder, became the most decorated women's soccer player here at BYU, and now is in her 11th season as an assistant coach for the BYU women's soccer team. Alicia, welcome. Hi. Thanks thanks. so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. So I'm looking at you have just such amazing credentials, and I literally can remember the day that you committed to BYU. I was down here on campus following football, Mm -hmm. and word got out, and I remember thinking, no, she's not coming. You were the best player in the country, and I understand that BYU was number four on your list. What was the turning point? What was it where you finally went, I'm going to go to BYU? I think it was at my on-campus visit, and just being with the girls, seeing 
um, what BYU was all about and the chemistry that the team had, how they treated each other. Um, it kind of was so obvious that this is where I needed to be. Yeah. How many how many visits had you taken before that one? Three. So, so it was three. my so, fourth one. So North Carolina, mm-hmm. Santa Clara, and what was the other Portland. one? Portland. And Portland. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you when you were heading to BYU, were, were you thinking, I'm just going to go for the fun of it? I'm not going to go there because they're not as good as these other teams? Is that what, Did you go in with that mindset? Um, I mean, BYU was a great program at that time, but I think there was expectations for me to go other places. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I mean, it was a church school, so I was like, you know, I should probably go check it out. And so... I'm so thankful that I did because it's like the best place ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you always want to play soccer growing up? We, my uh, Terry and I were just talking uh, off, off air about when our, uh, his son is playing and my boys played. Uh-huh. But did you always want to play when you were young? Was that your sport? Um, so our family is just big into sports. So I think ever since I can remember, we've been playing sports. So I played basketball and soccer. And, yeah, I just love to compete ever since I can remember. Mm -hmm. So my dad and my brother, I remember I would always be doing stuff with them and I was like the loser at home and I'd go in crying and they're like, if you're going to cry, you can't play with the boys. And you're the youngest? Yeah. Okay. Oh, funny. Yeah. So I think just from a young age, I just love to compete and, and play you know, with teammates and be a part of something. So. I was watching your story on Legends and where one of the youth coaches was told to go look at you and, and the guy was like, what, what, they're like nine, nine or, nine or ten. <laughs> and he said, no, really, go over and look and tell me, you know, which girl I'm talking about. And he was able to point you out with just within seconds. When did you know that you had what it took to be a, such a good player? I mean, at nine and ten, they really don't distance themselves from the other the other uh-huh. players on the team. So when did you know you were especially good? Um, I think when I, there, there's an opportunity to try out for like a region team. And so it was like, you take your best from your state and then you take your best from your region. And I made one of those teams. I remember calling my mom and I was like, mom, I made the region team. She's like, what? What is that? She's like, I didn't know you were that good. (laughs) So I think I kind of felt the same way. I was like, me neither. <laughs> so it was exciting. So when did you quit basketball and solely focus on soccer? Um, my sophomore year in high school. It was kind of just too hard to do mm-hmm. both because both people wanted, you know, all of my time. Right. And so the opportunities with soccer just kind of made it obvious, like, I should probably, you know, go, yeah. go with soccer. Well, when I played in the olden days, I mean, you, you played all three sports. But nowadays, mm-hmm. it's I think it's unfortunate. You almost, you have to play the super leagues. To, you know, if you really, to have a chance at a college scholarship, yeah. I think that's unfortunate. Did you miss not being able to play basketball and those other things through high school? You know, I, I got a couple years playing basketball. But yeah, I totally agree. I think playing different sports, I think mentally too, it's good for you to kind of have a break. And it's good for your body to kind of be focusing on something right, different. Right, I agree. Uh-huh. So yeah, I feel, I mean, I feel like I was still able to do both. So I don't feel like I missed out on anything. Um, but now looking at the girls growing up that it's like they only have time and uh, expectations to just focus on one. I think that's one, hard. Right. Yeah. I do too. I think it's really, I do. I think it's really unfortunate. So you, you um, began playing with the U.S. women's national team at 16 uh-huh. years old. One of the youngest ever played with Mia Hamm mm-hmm. and uh, let's see, Christine Lilly. Uh-huh. What was that like? Mia Hamm was one of my favorite athletes watching. What was that like for you to be on the same field with them? Yeah, it was pretty incredible because those girls were, I mean, they're the best players in the world. And so being so young, I just remember thinking like, this is crazy. I don't know that I belong out here, but I just every day I would just try to work my hardest and like just do the best that I could and hope, 
you know, that I would gain their respect. But they were they were really great to me just as far as encouraging me. I think they made the situation a lot easier, mm-hmm. you know, just encouraging encouraging me. Um, Julie Foudy was amazing. She she just really took good care of me and made it so much easier. You know, I had the opportunity to uh, interview Julie several years ago when they mm-hmm. were at the University of Utah, and she really was one of the nicest yeah. athletes I've ever interviewed. So accommodating, and it's yes. been so fun to watch her on ESPN and the, the World Cup yeah. uh, coverage. But you gave up playing with the national team, uh, was it your sophomore year? Uh-huh, at BYU. Was that, that had to be a really hard decision. Was it or was it not? You know, at the time, I think, there was, I don't know, just the strength that I was feeling. I it was it was not that bad to make mm-hmm. the decision. I think it was after soccer ended with BYU when it kind of set in, like, oh, I'm not playing anymore because I was still able to play and do what I loved. Right. And so I was still competing and doing all of that. And so those last two years at BYU were great. And then after that, I was like, oh. Oh wow, boy. what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Did you ever really regret the decision or it's never haunted you? Um, I've never regretted the decision. I, I've always known it's what I was supposed to do and what I needed to be happy. Um, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. I remember, I mean, just this last, you know, when we were watching the uh, women's national team just a few months ago, I remember talking with my husband and it's still hard for me to kind of watch sometimes. Um, I definitely have confidence in the decision I made, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean it's not hard. Right. Know? Yeah, because you still had years you could have played yeah. with the national team. Yeah, there's still some girls on the team that I played wow. with. And so it's fun to watch them and mm-hmm. see them be successful. But sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, man, like I know what it was like to yeah. play with them. And so. what was it like to watch the game against Japan when they won the World Cup? It was crazy. I mean, just uh, the performance that they put together when it mattered most was just awesome. And to see some of those goals that were scored, Carly Lloyd was, was just she amazing. She was oh, incredible. That was incredible. It was incredible. That was one for the ages, wasn't yes, it? Yes, oh. for sure. So you said you made the decision that was best for you to make you happy. So mm-hmm. was it just too much soccer was not making you happy? Was that, was that the um, issue? There were kind of a lot of things going into it. Um, you know, the lifestyle is always hard. Um, there's a lot of travel stuff on Sundays I mean there's there were a lot of reasons and the Sunday thing always haunted me because I felt like um just as my testimony grew stronger in the gospel that was just one thing that I always like felt bad about and so that was one a a big part of my decision but there were so many other things too um that I think Heavenly Father knew that's the way he was communicating it to me. But then after I made the decision, I was like, wow, I didn't realize all these things um, kind of were keeping me from being as happy as I could. Wow, so. that's awesome. And the fact you made it that decision at such a young age, and I understand you really made it on your own. You uh-huh. didn't go to your parents. You didn't go to anyone but yourself. Was that hard to really realize that you're the only one making that choice? Yeah, it was It was really hard for me. It was hard for my family, and I totally understand. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, you know, you know, through prayer and, mm-hmm. and but by myself. And yeah. so you just had an answer to prayer yeah. and you went by it. Oh, that, yep. that's fantastic. Okay. So we talked about your beautiful children, two boy, uh, two girls and a boy. Uh-huh. How do you, for all the mothers out there that are maybe trying to juggle work and family, how do you do it? You know, it's definitely not easy and it's something that you have to focus on each day. But I was talking with my husband who's so great and supportive. And, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about is when you're at work, you're at work. 
Um, but when you're at home, be at home and try to keep those distractions aside. And so the amount of time that you are with your kids and your family, just making it quality, you know, the, mm-hmm. the quality time. So together. don't bring the soccer stuff home. Right. You don't. Is that hard not to bring it home? Um, definitely. I It's I'm definitely still working on it, but mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to do that when I'm with my kids, you know, hanging out with them and actually playing games with them or, you know, going on a bike ride or doing things interactive with them so they can feel that I just really love them, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Do you want them to play soccer? Are they playing soccer? Um, Hannah, my oldest, she is playing soccer. Um, she's she 10? Just, she's 10. She okay. just started last year. So she's she's loving it, and she's picking it up quick. She's got some quick feet, so that's been fun. Um, Addie played soccer uh, last year, but now she wants to try gymnastics. So we're going to start gymnastics oh, tomorrow. So you're just going to give them a variety? Yeah, we just want them to pick, you know, as long as they're passionate about something. But, I mean, it probably takes some time to try to figure out what they're passionate about. Just because I was passionate about soccer doesn't mean exactly. they are going to be. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's hard, being as good of an athlete as you were, to not want your kids to kind of follow in your footsteps. Is that ever difficult or not? Not, not at, at all. all. I just Did you want, kind of hope they don't? Kind of. Yeah? <laughs> I'm just like, just if it's gymnastics or tennis, it's like, that's great. Because I don't really know anything about that. So yeah. I can just sit there and be like, yeah. Go. Just do something, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Describe yourself as a mother. How would you describe how you mother? Oh, man. I don't know. I hope that I'm, like, fun and loving and um, I don't know. That's I guess those are the two most yeah, important perfect. things that yeah. I want to be and that you want to be with. Fun. You want them to remember yeah. you by that. What yeah. was your mother like to you? Um, Similar? You know, my mom was a very hard worker and was... Um, Whenever she was in charge of doing something, I remember at church, she was in charge charge of like plays or dances or stuff like that. I just remember her putting her heart and soul into things. And so that's one of the qualities that my mom, I feel like, has given to me. You know, whether it's being a mom or as a soccer coach, like I want to put my heart and soul into it and just be the absolute best that Give her the best you can. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I know you got your bachelor's degree in marriage, family, and human development. So mm-hmm. you got a good start with that, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, that's great. Good. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk to Alicia Rose more about this year's team, currently ranked number five in the country. They're going to host Utah State tonight here in Provo. More with Alicia Rose coming up right after the break on the BYU Radio Show, Matt Townsend Show. show here on BYU Radio. Final hour of the program, and we're joined now by former soccer superstar Alicia Rose, current assistant on the women's soccer team here at BYU. She was inducted into BYU's Hall of Fame in the West Coast Conference Hall of Honor. What do you think about things like that? Do you get into that? Does it mean much to you? You know, especially now that I'm done, it does. It means a lot to me because I'm like, whoa, I, you know, I guess I was pretty good back then, and it's been so long now, so it's nice that people... You know, are recognizing me yeah. for. You are so humble about your abilities. Do you really not see how good you were, or you kind of try to just, you know, push it aside and, you know, try to give credit to others? You know, honestly, I think now 
I think I've grown a lot as a person and I'm like, it's okay to be confident in yourself right. and to admit, you know, the th- things that you've been blessed with. So looking back now, I can be like, yeah, I was a good soccer player and successful. Um, and I, I just feel super fortunate. But honestly, back when I was playing, I really was like, I don't know why they want me to play with the national team, but I'll just keep working hard. And I just hope, I hope someday I'll play like I should be there. Oh, that, so. that's really amazing. And very, I, I, I don't know, I, I admire that tremendously because most, most athletes, I think, maybe see themselves better than they are. And you're quite the opposite. So, so I think that's, that's really amazing. So you come to BYU in, in 2000. Um, mm-hmm. You really helped put the team on the map. And when you were a senior, you go to the Elite Eight. What did that mean to you to, to really be part of the program growing into, and you know, the, the program they are today. Yeah. You know what? That was honestly my favorite soccer experience was when we were in a shootout and we won at Villanova. And just being a part of BYU and the team um, and just the church, like it was so amazing. I still remember just us running onto the field, everyone celebrating and just feeling the support from so many people is so cool. And I think we had so much support back then. But now that's one of my favorite things about BYU is all the people that are so supportive. Oh, you guys have a great excited venue. excited about, yeah. you know, women's soccer. Wherever we go, we have fans that are there. And we're like, this is incredible. Sometimes we have more fans than the home team. Wow. And we just feel so lucky that there's so many people, you know, the administration, the like student body, families, just so many people are cheering for us and wanting our success. And so I felt that a little bit, you know, when I was here playing, mm-hmm. which I think was one of the coolest things. And now it's like grown even more. Yeah. Talk about tonight's game. You're playing Utah State. Tell us a little bit about your team and maybe a scattering report on Utah State. Yeah. So I love our team. We have such a fast team this year. Um, my sister was watching and she was like, wow, that girl's fast. And then she watched another one. She's like, whoa, that girl's fast. We just have so much speed on our team, which is so great because we play a high pressure style, you know, try to make other teams feel uncomfortable. And then when we win the ball, it's great that we have that speed to kind of counter on the transition and go at other teams fast. So I think that's hard for teams to handle. Mm -hmm. Um, our defense is absolutely incredible. Um, we have, you know, experience back there, which last year we were a little bit young. And so our defense is incredible. Our goalkeeper is incredible. Our midfielders. I mean, our team is just well-rounded about everybody. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like you have a weakness. You don't think there's a weakness anymore. No, we just, we have a solid team and girls coming off the bench. You know, we have great girls that can add and be a spark, which you need, you know, when girls get tired, you want a spark to come off the bench. And we totally have those personalities, which is awesome. Um, Utah State, it's always a tough game, you know, those in-state rivalry games, just because there's so many great soccer players, um, you know, because soccer's growing. We're not able to pick up all the soccer players, and inevitably some girls have to go other places. Mm -hmm, Right. And so there's some That's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's so hard. That's probably the worst part of the job is, like, making friendships and relationships with these girls and then being like, sorry, we don't have Uh, room. Yeah. So some of these girls that are great players are at Utah State. They're at Utah And so we find when we play them, it's just such an emotional game. You know, Um, they just, they have something to prove. And it's great. You know, they're great players. They want to beat you. They want to beat us more Mm -hmm. than anything. And so that emotion, I think, you know, makes it difficult. You know, they're they're super physical. Um, They're just playing with so much emotion that it's going to be a great game. Do you like the recruiting aspect? I do. I love it. It gives me an opportunity to 
meet with a lot of girls and their families and and just recognize, wow, there are so many great girls out there, so many great families. And I feel like, too, when, when I talk to them, I have things to learn from them as parents, too. So I feel... You know, I, I think it's great. I love it. That is great. Talk about, um, you know, you just lost to Stanford number two on Monday. You're ranked mm-hmm. fifth in the country. And you told me before we went on, you don't really like to look at the rankings. But number five, how does that place you guys as you look, you know, as you're going down this, this season ahead? Yeah, I think rankings are great. You know, it shows that we are, we have respect from other people, you know. And so that's great. Um, but honestly, it's like every game matters. And so that ranking, while it's nice to be respected, in the long run, it doesn't mean anything unless you're taking care of business each right. game. So you, you lose to Utah State tonight. You drop right. pretty, maybe significantly, right. right? And I don't know. I guess I just kind of like to live in the moment and just think, you know, one game at a time. And if I'm thinking about rankings and, oh, I want to stay number five, and what if what if this happens? Then it puts fear you know, into your mind, and then you're not able to perform and be your best. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just thinking about what's happening in the present, I feel like um, it just helps you mentally be stronger and be your best. Right. So. so many young girls are playing soccer all over the country, and it's it's really becoming a popular sport for the girls. What advice would you give to mothers who have young girls and want to play, say, when they're four years old or five years old? I mean, what advice would you give them to bring them along if they think they're good players? Yeah, um, definitely provide the kids with opportunities that they're passionate about and kind of let them dictate, you know, where they're wanting to go with the sport. Um, And honestly, as I've watched so many kids and families through the recruiting process, I think one of the most important things is to try to create an atmosphere where it's still fun. And we're not creating Isn't like... Isn't that the key? Fun. Yeah. yeah. So true. I mean, of course, you want them to work hard and be a great teammate. But when you're having fun and you're enjoying what you're doing, you're able to be your best. And I think so many times there's families that are like, oh, we want our kids to play so they can have a scholarship. Right. And how many do? It's so it's rare. so Very rare. rare. Right. And honestly, when you're just thinking you're wanting to play because you enjoy it, those things will take care of themselves. But when you're thinking, oh, we want you to have a scholarship, then it just starts to put pressure on these girls. Um, and I don't think they're able to develop as they could as if they were playing, you know, because they enjoyed it and were having a good time. So what would your advice be to those parents who live through their kids and are the ones on the sidelines, you know, screaming and yelling? What would your advice be to them? Because like we say, really the odds of them getting a college scholarship, they're really small. Mm -hmm. So what would your advice be to them? Um, I think to take a deep breath like I need to when I'm watching my daughter. (laughs) You're one of them? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm in the same boat. I'm telling myself this too. Um, but to just remember that it, it's a game and really our relationship with our kids is more important than anything else. And so if we're kind of creating an environment that is stressful and, and putting pressure on our kids, like that is going to affect your relationship with your kids. Mm-hmm. And so Very I think being supportive and positive um, goes a long way and remembering that it is a game, you know, and just trying to see the good in in your um, son or daughter, but also seeing the good in the teammates too, Mm -hmm. you know, so just trying to focus on the good and and talk about those things with your kids, you know, while you try to help them be hard workers. I'm not saying, you know, we definitely want our kids to be hard workers. Right. definitely important. And I think the unfortunate thing, sometimes these kids start so early, by the time they get to high school, they're burned out. They are. You know, you start at three or four years old, yeah. and by then it's like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with this. Yeah. So h- how has the game changed, Alicia, since you were a superstar back in high school? How has the game changed today? Would you be as dominant, do you think, today? 
Um, man, I would hope that I would be able to. Has uh, it changed much in the in the like say has. the fifteen years? It has. It totally has. I am so amazed the caliber of players that we have at BYU and just around the country. Yeah, is so much better. They are so much more skilled. I mean, they come in doing these tricks. It was funny. I was at camps and this girl was like, "Hey, can you do this?" And she did this like fancy trick, and I was like, "No, but I can juggle." <laughs> like they just spend more time with the ball and uh-huh. are trying more fancy things, and they're just. They're just better. Their skill at younger ages, they're just developing sooner because probably they're playing, you know, at a younger age and they're just focusing on soccer. And so, yeah, they're incredible. The girls that are here at BYU, sometimes I get a play and I play with them. I'm like, this is so fun playing with these girls because they are really good. It makes you miss it? Uh, it does. It does. I miss it. To a, to a point. Yeah, right, to, to a, a point. point. But honestly, I love coaching so much now that I... I, I would do this forever if yeah. I could. I just I, love it. I was going to ask you that. Where do you see yourself, say, 10, 15 years down the road still doing this? Do you, do you hope maybe to be a head coach someday? Um, I for sure want to be coaching. If I could have my job that I have right now with Jen as the head coach and me as an assistant coach, I would do this forever. I think it's awesome. Um, I just right now I'm just focusing, you know, trying to help Jen be her best, trying to make her life a little bit easier because as a head coach I can definitely see it's stressful. And Oh, yeah. So much that goes into it each year. So it's year. nice to be the assistant, yes. right? You have to deal with that. I feel yeah. like I have the perfect job. So, yeah. Wow. Well, you were really, truly one of my favorite athletes, and you were one of the greatest recruits ever. You're so humble. Aww. You're so beautiful. You're such a nice person, and we wish you all the best Thank with the you. team, especially tonight as you Thank host you. Utah State tonight. Alicia Rose uh, being with us here today. We're so grateful that she could be here. And when we come back, we're going to talk another type of football, BYU football with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan of BYU Sports Nation. That's coming up next on the Matt Townsend Radio Show. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Sorry, that music threw me off a little bit. I was hoping for something a little more exciting. <laughs> but I guess not. Once we're talking to Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan down at BYU Sports Nation. Hi, guys. Kathy, Kathy. You, have, you have just offended Jerem. What is that Lord music? I'm sorry. What is it? Oh, Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. I was talking to oh. Alicia Rose and I got distracted. I'm so sorry. Can we start over with some? Yeah, yeah you're right. We I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here's, here's the crescendo. Here we go. Okay, much better. Okay, guys. Now we're ready to Now roll. we're ready. Okay. Hey, I just uh, talked to Alicia Rose. Is she the greatest or what? She might be the nicest person on the face of the earth. Yeah, she I, is I can't so believe nice. she played competitive sports. I when know. I talk to her, I you go. look at you're, her, you know, she's very thin, very tall, and you're like, you really were. Are you a you leader of there. young women? <laughs> I know. But she was phenomenal. I, I still remember yeah. the day, you guys are too young to remember this, when she committed to BYU. That was really one of the biggest coups ever. She was on an LDS magazine called The New Era. I remember you know, that. Yep, I do was, remember yeah, that. Yeah, she was this huge deal. She's. I believe she's the only player BYU's ever had to compete for the senior women's national team. 11 matches. Mm. Caps. You actually get a cap. 11 caps. They actually give you a cap, I think, the first time, maybe every time. 
Yeah, it's amazing to think she gave that up. But you know what? She uh, stuck with her values, and I admire her for it. So she had the reason. So, Evan okay, guys. Pilgrim's a huge fan of her as well. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk football as usual. So uh, heading Harry. into Boise State, obviously, for Saturday. Anything new? Anything new at Tanner? Anything new at the nose guard position? The Well, new as in Travis Tuiloma out at Yes. At what, what are they going to do this Saturday? Yeah, they're going to move one of the ends. His name's Logan Tyler to that spot. He okay. did. He did replace Tuiloma in the game. Uh, he's not Travis Tuiloma. That's right. just the bottom line. Right. And he, a tough blow for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. And and that's an underrated part. When you when you watch you watch the ball. You don't watch the nose tackle. Boring. Right. Right. right? But a huge part of what the defense does. So oh, that's yeah. certainly a big loss for the Cougars. However, Nebraska is not Boise State. Um, you know, I, I think Boise State's a better team overall, but there are certain parts of Boise State that BYU can take more advantage of. You think at that position? It just seemed when he went out, they, they had a hard time getting pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. He's I'm an a, absolute disruptor. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know, you know, how Boise State's O-line stacks up in Nebraska's. Mm-hmm. But Boise State, that, I, I don't know that it's as good. That's why you have trick plays, to offset just the I can beat you right in front of me. And yeah. Boise State's creative. They're fun. They're like, I love watching Boise State play football because they're exciting. Yeah. They win. Oh, this is going to be a fun game. It's a later game. But what, what do you guys think? What is the key to the game for BYU? I mean, obviously Tanner, you know, he went in uh, Nebraska thinking he was just filling in and now he's the starter. I'm sure he, there's got to be a ton of pressure on him, right? I think he relishes the moment, quite honestly. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that he's nervous uh, more than he's just excited to be able to play against the team that he used to root for. He right. grew up in the yeah. Boise area. That's his hometown this team. Is kind there of... are pictures coming out of him and Boise State gear at yeah. games. Yeah, <laughs> I know? love like, that. He's wearing a potato head. We saw a picture. Oh, <laughs> There's some irony <laughs> okay. here for, as a for teenager. sure. Well, but I, I, I think that BYU coaches, given that they have done this before, just last year, Jason Beck, Robert, and I, they will tailor the playbook to what Tanner does best, and he'll make some plays. I think that... The real matchup to watch is that Boise State front seven against BYU's run offense. Mm-hmm. Can BYU establish a run? Because they yeah, certainly they couldn't to. against Nebraska's defensive line. Right. And if BYU has to be one-dimensional with a freshman quarterback, things could get very interesting at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah, well, that'll be a great game. The fun game I'm looking forward to is him going up against the freshman quarterback at UCLA. I think that'll be a great, ah, great fun game to Josh watch. Rosen. Yeah. yeah. Chosen Rosen. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, hey, guys, what do you have coming up on your show today? Is Boise State a rival for BYU? That's our discussion. It's kind of uh, getting we'll there. What do you on think? This and we differ on do this. Do you? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't know if I'd say that now, but it's kind of it's kind of getting closer to that. Yeah, there are things that go into rivalry. Yeah. Um, and at the heart of it is dislike or hate. Mm. So. If you're a BYU fan, do you dislike or hate Boise State? Yeah. That's, that, to me, that's what it comes down to. We'll talk about that. Well, all I know is, uh, I think, is it a sellout yet? Has it been named, uh, announced a sellout no. for Saturday? No. Still not. That's, Tickets that's, available. That surprises me. It's do you know how many? It's hard to sell out an 8-15 kick regardless that's of true. the That's true. That's the late game. That is true. Well, yeah. well it'll be but a fun game. I expect a huge crowd from BYU given what happened last week. Yep. Well, let's hope Tanner can carry it on. Guys, thanks so much. Have a great show. Always a pleasure. I'll be listening. Okay, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan on BYU Sports Nation. Coming up right after the Matt Townsend show, just a a few other things to go over. Interesting interesting story here. A suspected drug dealer, he kind of got a little desperate. He, He didn't want to miss his son's birthday party, so here's what happened. I hate that sound. 
the chewing. Matt's favorite chewing sound for some reason. Anyway, a Chicago man was arrested on drug charges after allegedly chewing off the seatbelt in a cop car. That sounds too soft. We need something harder. Uh, Because he didn't want to miss his son's birthday party. But he didn't make it. LaShawn Stuckey, 33, was arrested after police say they saw him selling $30 worth of drugs on a street on the city's west side. Stuckey was placed in a squad car and taken to a nearby station. During the brief drive, the suspect managed to chew through the seat belt, causing several hundred dollars worth of damage. Officer said Stuckey told them he didn't want to miss his son's birthday party. He was charged with two counts of possession of a controlled substance on one count of criminal damage to property. Ever tried chewing through a seatbelt, Ben? Yes. You have. What happened? I did it. (laughs) You did not. (laughs) That thing is too hard. Oh, my goodness. What a crazy story. But the sound, we've got to come up with a better chewing sound sound than that. That uh, that sounded really strange. Anyway, Terry, did you come up with that chewing sound? Was that you? No, that was not me. That was not you. Okay. What do you got for us? That was pretty gross. That <laughs> was gross. I'm sorry. Anything chewing through a seatbelt to go to his son's birthday party? A little, little desperate, but you know. See, we, I we, never wanted to miss. We my preview son's the parties. sound before we run it. Yeah, and it, it yeah, doesn't quite gross. have the same punch as yeah, when we actually run it. And I know. Like, oh, it's so gross. That is so gross. We did it once. We we had a story about uh, would would someone rather cut off their finger than not have the internet? And they did a, a study on that. And people oh people said they would rather lose a, a finger, a, a lose a digit, okay. so they would have the access to the internet, Wi-Fi, that kind of thing. Wow. And then we ran a sound effect, and it was it was like celery crunching or uh-huh. something. But in context, totally gross. Totally gross. Totally inappropriate. <laughs> totally threw us oh. off. Well, that one's kind of gum or something. We need something yeah. better. So uh, TV Azteca. You ever heard of that? No. Yeah, I believe it's uh, a, a Mexico City television mm-hmm. network uh, nation of mexico they're using donald trump video that they've selectively edited to preview an upcoming usa versus mexico soccer oh, match no what is so this? so he's imagine. saying he's saying something like this country's in trouble and you know the, all, all the things uh-huh, he said uh-huh. i don't know if they've gone as far as to use the wall comments and those sorts of things but they've edited him into the video and it says so the new there this this match that's coming up um, they're using Trump's words thanks to some strategic splicing of Trump's comments with shots of victorious Mexican soccer players. The Mexican TV channel pulls off an ad that effectively uses the Donald's very own words against the soccer team of the country he plans to make great again, oh if my. that makes sense. So yeah. basically he's saying we're in trouble. Trump's uh-huh. like the United States it's soccer it's team's it's in, trouble. in trouble. And then they show oh. all the Mexican soccer players and they're like, oh, they're going to be, you know, so they're riling up the yeah. fans. yeah. And he says, our country's in serious trouble. Trump declares, followed by a shot of Mexico scoring. He goes, we don't have victories anymore because he talked about how we're losing oh, to everyone in business. That's and pretty smart. So, yeah, they use That's that. pretty clever. They use that to kind of spin against, um, you know, the, the team. The it's US. just interesting how they did that. Oh. And the vid- you the could video probably use funny. a lot of Donald Trump sound to, to make some pretty, I don't know, controversial things like that. Well, we could run. And if Ben has this, what is it? It's on, uh, where'd it go? Oh, clip three. We will have so much winning if I get elected that you may get bored with winning. Believe me, (laughs) I agree. You'll never get bored with winning. We never get bored. Oh, my goodness. So much winning. We're going to win. If he's elected, there will be so much winning. 
He doesn't we'll say exactly, lose. but we're going to win. No, there's That's never specifics. It's I always know. general. That's how he wins. <laughs> oh, crazy. Oh, you got to gotta love Donald Trump. We got to love our hero of the day. We're going to give that right now. It's about a woman who had a plea for help from a grocery store. So obviously grocery shopping, I don't know about you. I hate it. But for most people, it can be pretty hectic. And for this one mother, even worse. Her son, her, her name is Gina Grant, and her son Francis, who is six years old, is unable to walk. Grant says that while grocery shopping, she would have to put Francis in the part of the shopping cart where food is also stored so she, he had enough room to lay down. But it also caused Francis great stress. When checking out, she would have to lay Francis down so that they could load the groceries in the cart and then load him back in again. After one particularly bad shopping experience, Grant went to the management team at her local supermarket and began pleading for them to find other shopping cart cart options, but didn't expect a reply. Last Friday, however, Gina's dreams became reality. She went in on Friday, expecting to have to do the same thing. Then one of the staff came over to her and her son and said they had their shopping cart. They brought it over, and it had a special padded seat, head support, safety harnesses, and the works. She said she thought she had won the lottery and could not have been happier. The cart is the first of its kind in that area and is available to anyone who needs it while using it to go shopping. This is uh, from... Where was this from? Did you see this? Ireland. Ireland. That's right. Because I couldn't. I've never heard of the grocery store. Yeah, Duns. The, the, Did you say Duns? The yes. Duns. The other Duns paper the I didn't store. give you said Dublin Times. Dublin so. Times. Okay. A spokesperson for Duns said the company was now rolling out 155 of the specialist trolleys across their stores. There we go in Ireland. Wow, that's fantastic. Hmm. Yeah. What a what a great what a great story from that uh, uh, grocery store to help her and her son and I hate to grocery shop so made it a little bit easier that's good well thank you everybody for joining us today on the Matt Townsend show he was off today as usual as usual just kidding Matt anyway he will be back bright and early tomorrow morning hope he gets a little sleep today our thanks to all of our guests that appeared on our show today and we hope you have a great day this has been the Matt Townsend show on BYU radio